Welcome to Church Jams Now. Church Jams uh, this... Now. Thank you, TJ. <laughs> this is a podcast where we are former youth group kids, current music nerds, doing a deep dive on Christian music of the 90s and 2000s, seeing if it still holds up. I am your, would you guys call me, Captain? Fearless Can I be leader. a fearless captain? Fearless captain leader. Kylan. Captain leader. Kylan Savage, along with our beautiful producer, Josh Olson. Hi. And our resident philosopher, TJ Smith. And guys, Hello. we have our first guests on. Yes. Hello. Yes. Hey, Hello. y'all. Who are you? Welcome. Uh, my name is Danny. And I'm Jessica. And we host Sadie Hawkins Pod, a Reliant K song by song podcast. And that's our dog, April, who we (laughs) refer to as our audio engineer. Although she, you know, we're off of our podcast right now, so we can tell you guys the truth. She doesn't do anything. She doesn't pull her weight at Mm. all. No, No, it's just, it's an honorary title. I get it. (laughs) Yeah. We we had the same thing with my daughter when she was first born, right? When she was on our Christmas episode, and and she was Just a special weight. guest. But, you know, she really was. She was dragging us down. But now that she's like, she's eating Cheerios, she's watching Puppy Dog Pals. Good riddance. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you guys so much uh, for coming to do our silly, goofy little uh, podcast. For people that haven't listened to the podcast before, usually what we do is before we do a deep dive into an album, we'll do a little bit of of backstory kind of on the band and stuff like that. But before we do that, uh, to thank you guys for being here, I wanted to get a little more context on who you guys are and what your podcast is. Sure. Uh, Yeah, we talk about Reliant K every week and we go song by song. So uh, we're a little bit over two thirds through at this point. We started in 2019. We started pre-pandemic. And uh, yeah, we had just like, because we're married, Jessica and I are married. That's the one important part of our kind of story. And uh, we, when we met in college, Reliant K was one of the first talking points for us when we were friends. And I actually have been listening to Reliant K since 2000, since their first album, like right after their original drummer, who was only on the first album, right after he left the band. I've been seeing Reliant K since that time. And they were, Reliant K was grinding so hard in the early days of that, of them existing that they would come. I lived in Boston and they would come through like four times a year because they would just hit every city constantly. Like they just toured Mm -hmm. all the time. So, they were completely approachable because they weren't like Reliant K of mm-hmm yet. Right. Uh, and so they, like they would remember my name and they talked to me and I got their email at the time and I could talk to them online. They were completely wow. easily like, you know, you, you could talk to like hoops and lots of people from, you know, Twitter now on Twitter nowadays. But if you get their attention or whatever, but back then, like early 2000s, I like, got their email and all this stuff. So I meet Jessica in college post mm-hmm. yeah post mm-hmm. mm. i meet jessica okay. in college and i'm like oh what's your one you know we're just friends like i'm not even making moves on her we're just anything. meeting and he's like hey so what's your favorite <laughs> band and i'm like oh i don't i don't know that you would have heard about a heard of them like they had one song that was on the radio and he's like well try <laughs> me and i'm like reliant k and he's like i know reliant k i used Whoa. to talk to those guys all the time i have matt Tyson's email and i was like um <laughs> wait what <laughs> which by mm-hmm, that email did not work anymore <laughs> oh yeah 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 
like yeah, the yeah. last time I tried emailing them right after the, this album, actually we're talking about right after this album, uh, that's when the email would bounce back as like, you know, not even mailer demon or whatever you call it. The <laughs> right. email was correct, but the inbox was too full. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my gosh. But still <laughs> that's some solid street cred. Yeah. That really <laughs> is. That, that, that really is. So, I mean, you guys have your bona fides. You like, you know what you're talking about. That just like, I don't know, that just makes my heart happy because like when we started doing this podcast, I always just kept wondering like, is this like, is this too specific? Is it, <laughs> Are like, there too people niche out there that care? That, but no, there's people that, that are nerds just like us right. all, all over that like to nerd out about this stuff. Dude, that's so cool. Yeah. Um, there's definitely not. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It shocks me all the time. Sometimes like people will hit me up on Twitter and like mention something that I mentioned like podcasts mm. ago and I'll be like, oh my gosh, that's <laughs> right. People are listening. I'm not just having a one-on-one conversation like I think right. I am. <laughs> that's like out in the world. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. That's so cool. So cool. Um, yeah. Well, thank you guys so much for for being on our show. Uh, the reason why we asked you on is we're talking about this week, two lefts don't make a right, but three do. And this is a really big episode for us, which is why we wanted a guest from the beginning. Uh, so a little context from our end is this is the album that actually sort of inspired the podcast. Um, That's right. The Razor Because this is the first CD that I ever bought with my own money. So, so TJ, Josh, and I all met at Dallas Baptist University. Uh, we all studied music business, right, guys? I'm not just making that up. Cool. Right we all studied true. music business. <laughs> We've all played played in bands together, played in churches together, forever. Um, and so we all had this this knowledge growing up of of this like Christian rock music and stuff. And then during the pandemic, I was like, man, we want to like, I want to do a podcast. I can't find anything that's like interesting enough for me to talk about and then for some reason tj and i were just talking about music that we remembered and i was like oh my god remember two lefts don't make a right like that was the first album about i haven't listened to that album in like 10 years like do you think it still holds up and then we started kind of talking about it and then the idea for church jams now is just sort of snowballed from there and we decided to bring in our beautiful producer, Josh. The beautiful, beautiful uh, Josh. Th- this is a running joke. I accidentally called him beautiful. That was like the first adjective that I used. That hasn't come out yet. <laughs> so, <laughs> there's no way you could know about it. But now I'm running with it. We're just hard running with it. So nice. He's got a great face for radio, as they say. <laughs> yeah, he does. He does. Um, no, yeah, it's true. So, I was going to piggyback off of what Kylan's saying. The, the idea that got me really excited was I think finding out that this was both as far as I can remember my first album that I ever purchased, like with my money, physical CD, and then finding out that that was the same one for him. Um, it was just kind of like, Oh, there's something here. Like we both kind of had this really niche experience. We have this knowledge, um, and kind of looping Josh into that whole thing. Like we've got this knowledge about this niche, like scene, and as you guys just said, you kind of you just blew my mind with like the fact that there's all these other people out there that mm-hmm. also love and know and cherish like all of this music. So 
um yeah i'm i'm like astounded that we not only found you guys but but are uh, honored to have your presence with us talking about this this record it's really yeah. special so yeah so um yeah that's so cool so usually what we do around now is josh kind of gives us a little bit of background on the band but if you guys like feel free to like i don't know if you guys want to butt in and um yeah uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah exactly yeah, I'm, I'm actually not um yeah because yeah, um yeah you have i was gonna say you have reliant k on the mind since at- they're on their um yeah <laughs> tour <laughs> oh yeah um but is what i meant to say um but <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so if you guys want to i don't know maybe keep it a little more sort of freeform because okay the specifics of things so on the podcast we we've sort of established at this point like josh is our resident research guy like mm. he know he's our details guy tj is the one he he always really focuses on lyrics and sort of the the more metaphysical philosophical elements of these and i'm just the vibe guy i'm just like i don't know this sounds good (laughs) and so mr comparison Uh, well we're both uh, then we can say that we're both basically kylan for our podcast (laughs) because you all have played music i played a little bit of music like i tried to play a little bit of music in high school i never had an actual band but uh I never fully could focus on studying music. So uh, we are fully vibe based. Yeah. We're like, this sounds good. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. My kind of people. My yeah. kind of people. We're kind of like the least, like, we're the most equipped to talk about Relying K vibe wise because, like, you know, I have all this experience with the band from the early days. And, you know, we have this connection from our relationship with them being sort of a centerpiece of it. But we're so not prepared to talk about Relying K as a christian rock band because we are neither the most like uh pious christians nor are we the most musically capable people so we're like (laughs) so it's us too us too i feel like you're gonna bring a really unique energy to this episode then i'm i'm excited i'm super stoked so josh you want to jump in to tell us a little bit about reliant k for for whatever reason if there are people (laughs) <laughs> listening to this episode and go ahead we're not judging we're not judging yeah. we're not ready to jump in the you second you say something and you're yeah. just like okay yeah <laughs> yeah wrong no. about that but you know if for whatever reason there's someone listening to this either found it through church jams now or found it through Sadie Hawkins pod that doesn't know anything about Reliant K oh boy this section's for you got to learn so <laughs> much know. My dad's going to be so excited about this. (laughs) I did have a question uh, first for y'all. You mentioned that you were about two-thirds of the way through all the Reliant K songs. How many songs is that, like, that you're covering? If you have a ballpark number. Yeah, it's about 200 on our spreadsheet right now. We have, like, a Google Doc, a Google Sheet, and it's 200 rows on that and each row is a song and we combined a couple of things like on their album forget not slow down they have a lot of intros and outros that are like not really full songs that we lumped that we then lumped together on the spreadsheet with the song it belongs with and then there's a couple of cases like on their demo cd uh uh, all work and no play play, thank you (laughs) (laughs) i could only think of the album we're talking two lefts don't make right um on their yeah on uh all work and no play there's a couple of songs that appear later right so we lump those together as well 
Um, but once we did that, we had about 200 songs. And then, um, yeah, but it's, it would be more tracks overall for their whole discography. Yeah, it's a lot, a lot of albums with a lot of songs. So right. That's very cool. Uh, but yeah, so I guess going into our band background, uh, they're originally from Canton, Ohio. Um, and what? Then, <laughs> is that news? Is that right? Is that right? Wait, really? Well, it's yeah. news to me that you say Canton because we're all we're all from Texas. So I I don't say the T. It's Canton. Oh, I'm trying to Canton. pronounce it like clearly. I know you podcast, are. It's weird. But it's <laughs> super weird, Canton. man. Canton, Ohio. Well, they always we're all Texas boys here. They all say in Canton, you Canton. Enjoy yourself. That's right. Yep. What exactly. is that? What? What is that? That's on a song on this know. album. Oh, oh. <laughs> Which we haven't listened to yet, so you can be forgiven. All right, I quit. All right, all right. You guys have fun doing this podcast. <laughs> we'll see you later. I'll enjoy Bring listening to this. Later. Oh, my God. Um, they formed in the late 90s, and they've gone through periods of inactivity, but they've never like really broke up officially. Uh, but they are currently on tour right now, hoping to hit that when they come through Dallas in a couple weeks. And then, they're not coming. They're, are they doing the West Coast? Not right now. No, West Coast yeah, t- no. I didn't yeah. see any West Coast tour dates. But well, we're going bummed. to Florida because Jessica's parents live in Florida, so we're going to stay with them. Oh, nice. and, and do that ep- the episode. Do that tour. <laughs> that tour date. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nice. Then you can have them on the podcast in in a live segment or something. Yeah, like that. A live <laughs> podcast with them. That'd be try the, try the email one more time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> never know. <laughs> Maybe Matt cleared out the inbox and it's just waiting for you. Just took him yep. 20 years. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Matt, there are two Matts in this band. Matt Thiessen is the lead vocalist and he does guitar and piano. Um, founded the band. Uh, also, co-founder who's been in the whole time is Matt Hoops, who plays guitar. Um, at the time of this record, Two Lefts, that came out in 2003, Brian Pittman was on bass. He was the original bassist. He left... Uh, in 2004 and then oddly uh he joined i don't know if kylan or tj y'all know this he joined uh, a solid state band called inhale exhale um yep exactly that was the whole album he was on their first album which was in 2006 but then so he left Rolling k for that band but then he wasn't on any of their other albums after that so i don't know what happened flash in the pan yeah interesting just weird to leave Rolling k like right as they're about to catapult into their like yeah. their highest point of their career. And then Dave Douglas, who played drums from 2000 to 2007. So like Danny mentioned, not their original drummer. He wasn't on their first record, but he was on um, all their albums from uh, Anatomy of the Tongue-in-Cheek through their Christmas record in 07. He did play on Air for Free, their 2016 album, and toured with them. And he's currently on tour with them right now. So not like officially in the band, but obviously still active. Nice. Is that all? Check out with you guys. That sound good. Yes. Yep. Cool. Yeah, awesome. Any, any marks start. against the? <laughs> no, I'll, 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 yeah. I'll good. Awesome. Uh, and then we'll talk about the record. It came out on March 11th of 2003. This is their third album on Goatee Records, which is uh, Toby Mac's label. Good old Toby Mac. I have a I have a fun little little tangent. I went to uh, I went to when I was. Checking out colleges, I went to Nashville to check out Belmont, and my Josh, you know, well, both of you guys have played in the Truth About Movie Stars, my old, old high school band that went into college, and I specifically 
when we were there, dropped off a press kit at Goatee Records. Yeah, and I, like, and so I didn't know anything did. about him. I was like, it was like a terrible, terrible, terrible EP. But I was like, Goatee Records, that's what Reliant K is on. Obviously, that's the label that I want to be on. So I went and just dropped it in the mailbox. Never heard anything, obviously. Um, but it was a cool office. That's awesome. <laughs> that's all I, I didn't know that you did that. Kylan, yeah, are you yeah. sure you didn't? I had like, my mom accidentally... drive me in her minivan. Okay, through Nashville, <laughs> through Music Row, down Music Row, dropped it off in a mailbox. What year was that? And then, oh gosh, this was two thousand six or two thousand seven. Okay, maybe two thousand six. I don't know if Josh found this in his research, but one thing I'll say about Goatee Records, since you brought it up, is that like they and we figured this out over the years of doing this podcast, they were very specifically not a rock label. Right. They were like mm. a gospel and hip hop and pop record label. And Reliant K was this one band that just caught Toby Mac's attention. Like uh, mm. their producer, Mark Lee Townsend, who's been their like main producer for almost all their albums, except for two albums, was like helping them with their demo. And then he just has a meeting with Toby Mac and he's showing them all in Mark Lee Townsend showing Toby Mac these bands he's been working with. And he's not even thinking about showing him Reliant K. And he's like, and Toby Mac is like, well, what else do you have? And he's like, oh, well, there's this pop punk band I'm working with. And for some reason, right then, Toby Mac was like, pop punk band. And he wanted to hear it. And he heard, I don't know what I guess is, and this part I have to extrapolate, but I assume it has to be all work and no play or something maybe that existed before that, but probably all work and no play. And it was there that like Toby Mac was like, yeah, I'm interested in this band. I want this band for wow. Goatee Records. And they were their first rock band. And in a way, they were sort of their only rock band. Because then when Goatee started signing some more rock bands, they put it on the sub-label of Mono vs. Stereo. Like, and they kept Goatee sort of very specifically gospel, hip-hop, and pop. Well, that's probably why Goatee didn't want my yeah. <laughs> terrible high school Reliant K rip-off band. That's so funny. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Kylie, you, guys you are should have gone same, next door and checked out Sideburns records. <laughs> For real, that would have been. Uh, yeah, so that's just very funny because Josh's next note was all about Mark Lee Townsend. Oh, yep. so, I'll, so no, I, yeah, I, I'm piggybacking that on yeah, on that perfect perfectly segue. because <laughs> Mark Lee Townsend was talking to Toby Mac because he was DC Talks lead guitarist there. from 1996 oh, to 2001. Yeah. So yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned that Mark Lee Townsend basically produced like all their records. Um, I know he didn't produce Collapsible Long. What's the other one that you said? Five you score. Two. He did a oh, couple of tracks right. on Five yeah. Score. That's right. But that we're thing. like, yeah. Yep. Cool. Way to go. That would have been a red mark. TJ, I don't know about you, but this is a great learning <laughs> experience for me. <laughs> yeah. Stuff, I love talking about producers, but it's not a very <laughs> exciting maybe thing to talk about. <laughs> what is exciting, though, is charts. This album, David, uh, <laughs> <laughs> nice. Billboard 200. You're such a nerd. At number 38. <laughs> And on the Billboard Christian charts at number two, which was only what was number one, uh, Worship Together, I Could Sing of Your Love Forever, which was a worship compilation record. So, oh wow, yeah, what a bummer. I mean, that's on brand, so if we're talking about (laughs) Christian charts, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, it won a GMA Dove Award for Modern Rock Album of the Year in 2004, and it was nominated for the 2004 Grammy Award for Best Rock Gospel Album but it lost to Audio Adrenaline's Worldwide. Um, I have some streaming stats here that I pulled today. I want to ask you all, uh, 
what would you guess is, and this is only from Spotify, but what would you guess is the most streamed song on this record? We've known this, but I'm not 100% certain right now. I'm guessing it's, isn't mood it? Mood Rings. Yeah, then I'm guessing Mood Rings. Yeah, now I agree with Jessica Mood Rings. Kyle and TJ? Um, uh, uh, In Love with the 80s. That's I'm it? gonna say, I'm I'm gonna not overthink this and say overthinking. Nice, clever. <laughs> I would I would have guessed mood rings as well, but surprisingly, it is college kids. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Wow. By that far and large, like huh. way ahead of all the other ones, it's got six million st- streams almost. The next one is like three and a half million, and it's getting into you, which I was surprised at. That's wild. Yeah, and then it's like Mood Rings, In Love with the 80s, and then Chapstick, which those were the the three, four, and five were what I would have picked to be one, two, and three. So I found that strange. So can I ask what, because this is very important to me, because I want to get back into stuff that I know things about, which (laughs) is colors. What variant of the... Album? Did you guys first get? This is a great question. Which, which because like okay, right? There are five, five, right? Yeah, there were four five, originally. Five four there originally, f- yes. But I think now we're talking about like six different variants exist because you have that gold edition, right? So you have the original oh. four. I didn't count the gold edition because it just yeah. has a slipcase over the yeah yeah the fifth edition, <laughs> the fifth version. So. You have the original pink green, yellow, and blue. And then they released the white, which a couple, like a year later, which it's all the cars together in the junkyard. And then they have the vinyl one, which is sort of like gold, pink, uh, gold, yellow. It's like them all on a wrecker in the middle of the desert. That's the vinyl version. Mm. And then you have the, but then you have the, gold release remixed album that came out after mm-hmm, which is the blue cover but it's missing a bird <laughs> it's so specific oh, wow. and oh, obscure wow. and ridiculous <laughs> that they did it Gosh, this way. i love that though i, I love, love that, that y'all know this <laughs> these incredible. are things we didn't know before we started this podcast i didn't know about the bird i'm learning now right so yeah so there are the original four so i had the pink one i had the miami Palm tree has yes. fallen on. Yes. Okay. The, that's yeah. the first one. That's the first one that I got. I bought it at at a Lifeway Christian bookstore. Nice. <laughs> I had I had some some lawn mowing money, and the album was like fifteen dollars, and or maybe eighteen. CDs used to be so expensive. <laughs> yeah, that's um, true. And I got that and listened to it on my little CD player until I wore it out. What about what about you guys? So I had the pink one too. Pink one? Yeah. Three pinks. <laughs> what pinks. about you, TJ? TJ? You had three pinks? No, no, no. no, no. no. There's three. Like, <laughs> Danny Listen, Josh I, I just know Kylan. they're super fans. And so I assumed <laughs> that you bought three copies because you just liked it that much. No, this was also my, I, I think, um, uh, my purchase from Lawn Mowing Money. Like, we're the same person sometimes, Kyle. We, we are the same person. Um, I, I want to say I also had the pink one. I pr- I'm pretty sure that's all that family Christian bookstores had when I rode my bike there, whenever the album came out. And right. I was like, well, I'm not riding back. I'm buying this version. 
It took me, I, I don't know, maybe it was just like the, the area that they distributed it in because it went, it took me a long time before I like saw the other ones around in circulation. It took me a while to, to track them all down. Yeah, because once I saw the the yellow one with the like convertible biffing it into the pile of cacti, I was <laughs> right. like, that's the one for me. But I never got my hands on it, so I don't know. So it's Jessica, we're four for four on the pink album. Yeah, come on. On the pink cover, what did you get? Yeah. Uh, I actually was an early adopter of iTunes, and so I <laughs> bought the album on iTunes, which had oh. all four, oh. like in a little oh. compilation. Oh. <laughs> Just wins. <laughs> I also, can I just say, like, I'm, I'm. Just my heart is full that you guys are on this podcast, and you and there are other people that get excited for stuff like that. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a beautiful thing. Because I just, I just, I just saw a moment in the Zoom where all of us, I think, legitimately <laughs> got a little bit excited by that piece of information. It's true, and that's we all like legitimately were like, "Whoa, wow. that's so cool!" What you had all of them? Yeah, I don't know. That's just rad. Yeah, okay, iTunes awesome. just did a little comp where they put each in like a little square. Yeah, yeah. That was because they were plucky uh, then, so they had to distinguish themselves somehow. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, we we never had full um, what would you call not accreditation, but like confirmation that, confirmation of this confirmation. But it seems like whatever for whatever reason, if it was a mistake or if it's just how the reality of the printing press for the first run of the CDs, like there was oh, only a pink CD. Did you guys have pink CDs inside? No, you only had pink covers. I, yeah, so we only had the pink covers. So. I currently have all of them, and I think they're all pink. So right. I think the CDs were... Really? Yeah. The CDs were all mm. pink despite the having CDs the multiple covers. Pink. Yep. So that was like the primary... They went with pink. I think the pink is what they were really pushing as well, because we ordered an album, and recently from... I can't remember who it was from, though, and they sent us the... They had promo stickers, right. like left over oh. from Collide the time Records. Collide Records, and they random were... plug for someone that doesn't support us, but Collide Records, yeah, pretty good. Like <laughs> Christian, I, I, I ordered store. from them recently. They're pretty cool. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and they had these little promo stickers, yeah. and it was like to listen to their very early or watch their their early video right. uh, webcast. It was really thing. cool of them to throw those in for yeah. records because we just ordered a bunch because we were like, we're really on K-Podcast now. There's a couple of holes in our physical media, like only a few holes. Right. And I found Collide Records. And I'm like, oh, they've got a bunch of stuff that we're missing. So let's get it all right now. And then they threw in a bunch of stuff they probably had sitting around the warehouse. Yeah. <laughs> like That's so rad. Yeah. I want to ask for your physical media, do you have All Work and No Play on CD? I do. Dang because it. that's um, the I, one yeah. that I've been like chasing for like years. I remember because Kylan, when we did Via Maurice with, at Daniel's house, he had uh-huh. it, and I was like, "You have this? What? Like, <laughs> tell it to me." So that's I have seen that's, it in the flesh, but I have I don't own it. So that's that is props, that is that your holy y'all. grail, yeah. Josh? Uh, yes. <laughs> there's um. So I guess there's two printings of that. And they're both super rare. The one is obviously the rarest is like before they're even on Goatee Records. And I don't have one of those. But then they had a f- their first fan club from around 2002. They were like, sign up for our fan club and we'll send you a copy of our demo CD. And I only signed up to their fan club for that. Wow. Like, I don't oh, remember so you, getting anything else. Way back in the day, too. Yeah, but like 2002. Okay. I don't know if our fans are going to love this, but I'm 
thoroughly engaged right now. So, <laughs> this is the kind of stuff that I love matter. discussing. Oh, guys, we're not releasing this. We're just hanging out. <laughs> this is just no, how we decide to spend our Wednesdays. <laughs> I know, Josh. I'm. I'm. You're. You must be in hog heaven. Oh, yeah. I'm talking about right now. <laughs> because yeah. Okay. So normally, like, like Josh starts talking about this stuff, and TJ and I are like, "Wow, that's so cool." I know nothing. I have nothing to contribute. Yeah. To there's this. no. There's like, no back and forth. There's just Josh knowing all kinds of really interesting trivia and us being like, "Whoa!" I know. I love it though, because I feel like normally, like, I have to, you know. I'm usually like pushing the podcast forward and I'm just like sitting back having a good time, like learning stuff. Yeah. It's so Y'all are cool. really pulling your so, weight. Good job. Well, I wanted to do, I don't know if you guys would be down, but after, after even just a little bit of this conversation, I feel like this is woefully underprepared, but I wanted to do, if you guys were down, so... I used to be, I used to run a trivia night at a bar up here and I did that for years and I miss being like a trivia guy. So I wanted to see if you guys wanted to do like a quick five question Reliant K quiz. Sure. Yeah. We've, 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 we've found like trivia things online and run them past each other before. So maybe that was a good practice for this because we didn't do yeah. great at those. So. Yeah. Okay, well, I think, like, literally, like, based on this conversation, I think these questions are going to be super easy. Okay. But, okay, so maybe let, how, how let's do this. So, TJ, why don't you be my co-host? Because you're kind of on my level. Happily. I'm so glad you said that. <laughs> and I don't, I I don't know how, how much you're going to be able to contribute. Uh, but I got five questions. I, th- I just think this would be fun, right? Right? Is this weird or is this fun? No, it's no, good. I'm yeah. for it. I'm ready. Yeah. Okay. Let's do it. Um, so maybe we don't have any like buzzer. Maybe uh, like r- raise your hand if you know it first and then we'll we'll see, you know, we'll kind of just five questions, uh, one point each and, and, and we'll see how we do on our Reliant K quiz. Okay. Reliant K trivia gauntlet. <laughs> In 2005, Reliant K was featured on Punk Goes 80s covering which song danny <laughs> manic monday boom awesome uh All right, okay TJ, i sent you the questions you want to ask the next one yeah so uh i think you started with question two though so oh I'll, well ask question one i'll go back to question one ethan luck and john warren brief briefly played in pop punk band gorilla rodeo with the lead singer of what band that we have covered on church jams now Yes, you got it. Five yeah. Iron Frenzy. Yeah. Oh. Ding, 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 ding. I knew. I, I saw Jessica <laughs> like fast. tentatively like, I think I know this. I'm like, I got to give this to you. Cause, wow. <laughs> I did not know that, but I was, I felt like Reese Roper was the safe guest there. Yeah. Incredible. Sweet. All right. All right. Dang, I gotta get Josh, come on, man. I know. Come on. Where you at, Josh? Come on. This, this could you got to get in it. Represent. All right, here man. we go. Question number three. According to Wikipedia, original member Brian Pittman who we, we talked about how he left Reliant K. He left Reliant K and now owns what kind of company? Ooh, there's some I, delay here. Oh, I know that landscaping. Danny? Yes. Oh, oh dang. what? No. <laughs> that was going to be my guess. That was <laughs> what a deep cut. Yes. How did he you know owns that? Aura, Aura I feel like we've just seen that once or twice yeah. before. And I, but it's, yeah, it was, 
I was like, I know this. <laughs> it's a good thing that yeah. y'all are hosting the Reliant K podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what we've proved today. Yeah. You're in the right business. Oh, <laughs> For real. All right. Okay, All right we got two more questions. Here. All right. Here we go. <laughs> For real, Josh. Yeah. You're done. You're, yeah. You're on the edge here, man. All right. Matt Thiessen co-produced an electronic pop album for what artist in 2009? Uh, Adam Young's band. What is it? Al City, right? Yes. Yes. Al correct. All right. Yes. He was on a couple songs, too. All right. Patreon. All right. Got a Patreon.com slash City Hawkins pod if you want to listen to us review the Ocean Eyes album. Ooh, oh, gosh. Okay. Oh, I want to do that. I'm very, yeah. I'm very curious because... That, that I have some thoughts on that album. Um, I would love to hear you guys. Okay, last question. Here we go for all the marbles. What is track number seven from Mm-hmm? Oh. Josh. More than useless. Oh, there you we go. You got it. Oh, that was fast. That. Yes. Wow. There you go. That was fast. Yeah. I don't All think right. that was awesome. so that's good. Yeah. We, so that we, was, we pick right, songs yeah. at random. That's the thing about our show is <laughs> yeah. we actually I, skip around like deliberately at random. Mm. So I don't think of track numbers. <laughs> oh, my heart's racing. Lots of different kinds <laughs> of knowledge out that, there. That was all hey, that was awesome. Well yeah. uh thank you. Respectable showing for, from both. <laughs> Yes, for real. From I think I won. I, was, I happily concede. I think you yes. won. Yes, yes. yes. Danny, Danny did win. He got two, and yeah, that was that was super fun. Thank y'all, you guys for doing that. Y'all get official uh, CJ and bragging rights for being the RK super fans. Yeah, nice for real. For real. Yeah, I, I got the idea for that uh, because Danny, when we were talking on Twitter, you asked about. Um, like which mix of of this album we right. were gonna do, and that and that you had all like the original mix, uh, like on on your Google Drive or whatever. I sent that <laughs> message to the guys, and Josh immediately sent back. He's like, "Oh yeah, I already uploaded the original mix on on our drive." So I'm like, "Okay, we have obviously like birds of a feather. super fans here." So I thought I thought this would be kind of fun. Awesome, um, cool. So, uh. Real quick, I just want to ask. So we all essentially got the Pink album, right? So on your show, since you kind of jump around, I want to ask: When was the last time you listened to this album, like all the way through? Good question. I don't. It's. I think it's been a while. And actually, as of the time we're recording this episode with you guys, Two Lefts is the longest we've not done a song from. Mm. Oh, well, wow. I was just looking at our spreadsheet. And it's like two lefts for some reason is just like we haven't done a song in like two and a half months. And we try to space them out. Well, you know, we try not to do like two songs from the same album within a month or so. So right. it's just two lefts has been left in the dirt. <laughs> that, I mean, <laughs> dust. Two lefts has been left in the dust for other selections yeah. recently. So it's, yeah, it works out well. Sweet. What about you, TJ? Oh, man. Yeah, it's been years. I mean, so Kylan and I live in uh, outside of Portland, Oregon these days, and I moved up here in 2018, and you were here before that, yeah. right? And I got to say, I haven't listened to it since, at least since before I moved here. So at least, you know, four years. Right. I mean, for me, it's been at least 10 years, and then we got the idea for this podcast, and I intentionally didn't listen to it because then we got excited about this podcast, and now right. it's been like 
two years since that started. So what about you, Josh? I'm sure you listened to it like last week. Yesterday. <laughs> yeah. I would say it probably within the last year at least. I know when I listened to Anatomy in August for the 20th anniversary, but I don't think I've listened to Two Lefts since then. So probably within the last okay. six months to 12 months, I would guess. Okay, cool. So then what we usually do um, is we make a prediction on whether we think this album is going to be a flop or a bop. Like, does it still hold up in 2022? Uh, I think I know the answer <laughs> from three of y'all. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm still curious. What do you like? Does it do you think this album as a whole, like from from front to back, do you think it still like holds up? Is it a bop? Or or do you think even maybe maybe in relation to the rest of the Reliant K discography, does it kind of fall short? I think it'll hold up from what oh. I can feel like what I mean, I don't want to get ahead or or uh, sort of taint any of your reactions. But from when I last listened to it all the way through and after like going through so much Reliant K music song by song over the last couple of years. The last time I feel like I listened to Two Lefts all the way through, I was like, there's a lot more slower jams on this than I remember. Like, especially okay. compared to Anatomy. I think there's a lot more, like, rock and faster pop punk. Like, they kind of might have had more to prove uh, fast and fun-wise for Anatomy. Especially the name, Anatomy of Tongue-in-Cheek. It's like, hey, we're goofy church kids and we're going to have rockin' music. But then right. <laughs> uh, with Two Lefts, just one of the times I listened to it all the way through in the last like four years, and we were doing this podcast for two and a half years, but within the last four years, I just remember there being more like more slower worship stuff on this album, as opposed to not everything is mood rings on this album. So I guess it's just a matter okay. of how that hits you compared to like Anatomy okay. or mm -hmm, which are sort of more straight driving rock. Right. Okay. That's awesome. I'm very excited. That, that that gets me really pumped. Also, when I say uh, it's like worshipy, it's like very much not mainstream worship. It's like a right, very right. like specific Matt Thiessen lens of this is like uh, base. This is like basement worship. This is like the youth group worship. Like this is the cool stuff. Like we're not doing yeah, the yeah. repetitive <laughs> cool stuff. Yeah. yeah, we're not doing like the repetitive stuff that your parents or your older siblings saying we're doing like slightly punk slightly yeah that's slightly like the form of this is still going to be like pop punk but it's going to be in a worship feeling interesting more of okay. that tonight yeah hell yeah I slightly disagree with him okay. i feel oh. like let's hear it just bring like it <laughs> podcast is over i feel like anatomy is a lot more worshipy i think there's a lot more bops off of this one a lot more fun songs off of this one whereas you have on anatomy a lot of like fun songs that are just disguised as fun songs that are actually really really preachy oh, and in not a good way they're sneaky okay. worship yeah, songs they are yeah because yeah. we covered maybe it's maybelline last week and that was a song mm. i used to really love yeah <laughs> and revisiting it i was like Wow, I totally hate this song now. Okay, so <laughs> oh wow, I think that this album like, is going to be yeah, a bop comparatively. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I love that y'all are on different pages. That's really delightful. <laughs> we have to obviously we have to have y'all back for the anatomy podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 
Yeah. It's happening. Ah, that's so rad. TJ, what do you think? I mean, I'm I'm not a super fan in the sense that I just like know every factoid about RK as we call them growing up. <laughs> but uh I I do they mean a lot to me. I mean, you know, as we've already mentioned like they're this album was the reason this podcast started and um they as a band are the reason I started playing in rock bands in like middle school and high school. And this yeah. album especially has a really special place um in my heart in my life. Um so I'm super biased. I think I think the nostalgia factor. You're not supposed really to be. High. We're not. We're we're supposed I, to think of it through a sorry, different lens. Sorry, I don't man. know what to sorry, tell you. It's fine. gonna be a that's bop. <laughs> I get it. Me too. <laughs> Unapologetically. <laughs> and Josh, I'm not even gonna ask you. Um, <laughs> I could have something really surprising to say. Okay. Yes. All right, Josh. Is this album gonna be a flop or a bop? Please, please tell me what you think. It's gonna be a bop. Yeah, I knew it. I knew it. Awesome. Well, we're going to take a break. And by a break, I mean, we're going to stop this recording and wait a week and listen to this album and <laughs> come back with uh, doing a deep dive. Uh, but don't worry, dear listener. Curtis. For you, it'll be like 30 seconds. Exactly. <laughs> you don't exactly. have to wait a week. Uh, yeah, we're going to pull a Stephen Curtis Chapman and dive right in. So stick around for Church Jams Now. Church Jams Now! Featuring Sadie Hawkins Pod. Welcome back to Trivial Trivia. This is a segment where I share obscure and trivial information related to the album or artist we're discussing each episode. Let's get into some trivia on Reliant K's longtime guitarist, Matt Hoops. Outside of Reliant K, he runs a successful guitar company called 1981 Inventions. He currently sells only one product, but it's a highly sought-after distortion pedal within the guitar community. Hoops makes each pedal himself, and you see them on pedal boards everywhere. Now, if you've listened to Church Jams Now at all, you might know I love talking about producers, and Matt Hoops has a few production credits under his belt, too. The one we're talking about today is for the 2014 album, Calm Down, Everything is Fine, by Mike Maines and the Branches. Matt Hoops produced the record and recorded some guitar for it as well. But that's not the only notable guest on the record. The drums are played by Zach Farrow, who you may know from a little band called Paramore. This is my favorite record by Mike Maines and the Branches, and I highly recommend checking it out if you've never heard it. That's all for Trivial Trivia this week. Let's get back to Church Jams now with our guest, Sadie Hawkins Pod. Hey Jammers, Kylan here. And my good buddy, beautiful producer Josh. Hello. Interrupting your normal Church Jams Now experience to talk about something even better, which is our Patreon. Josh, are you are you a patron on our Patreon? You know, Kylan, I was. <laughs> what do you want me to answer? <laughs> I mean, if you're not, you're not. That's fine. I'm I, just going to shame you for it. I'm not. I was. I was for the first time around. But I plan to reinstate my Patreon. I mean, you don't have patronage. to because you already do the show. Uh, but if you were... That's how much I believe in it. Our Patreon, we're doing awesome things over there. Patreon bot fully charged. Oh, oh. Patreon bot, what are you doing here? I am happy to assist, Kylan. 
Thank God. Okay, I was trying to sell Josh on the Patreon, and he wasn't he wasn't biting. So I need your help, Patreon bot. Our Patreon provides listeners with extended clips. Thank you. So will you will you please tell Josh and the listeners at home why our Patreon is awesome? Near infinite extra content and plenty of moments where Kylan doesn't know what the hell is going on. So if you would like to experience this. Ask backwards nonsense, please. You hear that, Josh? You hear what Patreon bot is telling you? Wow. There are some awesome things. So, like... You can get all that content? Yes. How much? No way. It's going to be expensive. Infinite. I said it already. Were you listening? Okay, yes. Patreon bot, you don't got to be mean. You don't have to be mean about it. Wow. Um, Okay. I appreciate it. You're getting real heated. Apologies. But listen, if you like this nonsense... You are a very special person, and God bless you. You will find more of it over on our Patreon at patreon.com slash churchjamsnowpodcast. We're doing, like, bonus episodes, uh, more, like, laid-back conversations. We're having conversations with each other and with other people. I don't know what that means. Our tiers only start at $2. And if you pay the $2, yes. One, you get the show early, and you don't have to listen to these Patreon ads. (laughs) So it's it's maybe already <laughs> worth it right there. <laughs> and it goes up from there and you got more bonus stuff, but you don't have to hear Patreon bot. Sorry, Patreon bot. I I don't mean to hurt your feelings. I don't know if you have feelings. Playing Sexy Jams Station now. Okay, well, I'm going to go upgrade Patreon bot. Josh, you and the listeners at home, please join us over at patreon.com slash churchjamsnowpodcast. And with that, Back to the show. Welcome back to Church Jams Now. Church Jams Now! Uh, I know we had a little break uh, for the listener, but for us, it's been a whole week. We are sitting here with Danny and Jess from Sadie Hawkins Pod. Uh, They are our guests this week. Uh, How did the week find you guys? Good. Yeah, good. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. Thanks so much. Yeah. Yeah. Same. Yeah. Same. Uh, well, thank you guys so much for coming back to do our deep dive of Two Lefts Don't Make a Right, but Three Do. Um, before we kind of go track by track, was there was was there anything kind of general anyone wanted to talk about about this record? I was going to mention that. So on our show, since we go song by song per episode through mm-hmm. Relying K, I just wanted to mention that when we recorded this. And we don't have any other songs from this album planned anytime soon. But the only songs we've never done on the show yet are Falling Out, From End to End, Getting Into You, Hoops, I Did It Again, Kids on the Street, which we will do as its own episode, and then The Hidden Track. <laughs> okay. So nice. just overall, that's what we're coming at coming at it with. Every other song we've dived in detail. Sweet. Yes, so people need to check out your backlog of those episodes for more in-depth because yeah because since you guys go each episode is one song uh and since we kind of have a lot more people this time we're going to be a little general because we're trying to get through the whole album keep it brief but yeah we definitely want if anyone's listening to this and is enjoying it please go check out sadie hawkins pod and maybe specifically some of these songs that we're talking about today so, all right. Well, let's 
get right into it. We are going to start with track number one, Chapstick, Chap Lips, and Things Like Chemistry. All right, starting off track number one, Chapstick, Chap Lips, and Things Like Chemistry. I don't want to uh, share my hand too much, but when I was listening to this, I think a couple days ago, I texted both Josh and TJ and said, dang it, guys, listening through two lefts, don't make a right. Can we start a pop punk band? <laughs> like, I, like, that's what this song just like gets me super pumped up, makes me just want to play pop punk. Quintessential stuff. I I really like that it's just kind of all energy like full on. They don't they're not wasting any time. There's no beating around the bush like they're like unabashedly pop punk straight in. And there's no like no kicking off like no intro track. It's just straight into a full-fledged high energy right. song. Yeah. Yeah. And just looking at the track list, I don't think there's any other song that could take this spot of the opening song yeah like right away from that opening like chord that leads it in uh and reminder we're not we're not musically minded right (laughs) so if i need to describe (laughs) anything i have to describe it purely based off the vibe and not like the technicality of it but from that like opening pop rock pop punk chord like it's just clearly an album starting song i'm looking at the track list now i don't think there's any other song that would make sense like i wouldn't want mood rings to open this Album. Right, I wouldn't want Pink Tux to open it. So, definitely, yeah, Danny, I love that you brought that up because we talk a lot about on our episodes about alternative track lists uh-huh. quite a bit. Um, a lot of times we have uh, albums that we would like a lot better if the songs were in a different order, mm. right? And I'll just go ahead and say, I think they nailed it. Yes, this might be the best album opener for an album we've covered thus far, for sure. Bold I would thing. agree with that. Yeah. yeah, and it's one of those things like growing up, I like didn't ever want to like my favorite song from a record be like the single or like the one that had the music video and stuff. But as time has gone by, I'm like, this is probably my favorite song on this record and definitely one of my favorite Reliant K songs in general. So it's just a great one. For sure. Yeah, this, uh, this song... It was great because, you know, I know we talked about last week, like it's been multiple years for both TJ and I to to go back and listen to this. And instantly I was just hit with like a wave of nostalgia. I knew all the lyrics to this song, which I don't I can I can barely remember my wife's birthday, <laughs> but I remember every lyric word for word to this song perfectly yeah that was my experience except for in addition to that um you also don't know my wife's birthday well i also don't know your wife's birthday and my band tried to play this song um in high school um for listeners that caught our sanctus real episode um it was say it loud by sanctus real and then this one that we tried to cover right after that and it was a disaster (laughs) we could not figure this song out for the life of us well, well, this brings up something interesting to me, too. There's a lot of, even for just like pretty standard pop punk, uh, there's a lot of interesting musical changes. So complex. On this album, they which really, I'm excited to get into more. 
And yeah. TJ, you were doing this before like YouTube was a thing and before like you could just like look up tabs on the internet, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. We, so we you were, were like it. having to figure it out by ear. Yeah. Completely. It was crazy. We yeah, which explains why we couldn't nail it. Yeah, it's a lot to <laughs> We ended off. up giving up entirely. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> so hats off to Matt and the and the fellas. Way to write a really tough song to cover. The compliment. Did you have any comments, Jess? I uh, know it's just a great song. It's a jam. Perfect <laughs> it's just way a great to start song. Out. Yes. Yeah. Yes, that's all we need, yeah. man. It's also just Thank the you, right Jess. kind of like vague, but also clearly about something. Clearly about being a teenager without like n- being with the lyrics aren't like nailing home any specific idea. Or also, you know, being a Christian band, it's it's it seems to me to be a secular song. You know what I mean? And and especially with the previous yeah. album and where there's a lot of uh, sort of ham-fisted spiritual stuff <laughs> for their right. Christian yeah. roots. Like in this album, it really seems like right with this with this starting song that they are kind of laying back and they're like, we'll sing about our faith when it's comfortable and we'll write other songs when that's comfortable. And that's a nice mission statement for this album to be like, this is about being a teenager, like possibly being in school, having chapstick and making relationships and messing them up and stuff. Yeah. That's one of my notes too, Dan, (laughs) is that out of the first three gears, which is what they call the first three albums. um, And they had a compilation of it. This album shows like a natural maturing, not just the evolution of like their sound, but the message that they're putting out there as well, except maybe mood rings, but. (laughs) Oh, we'll get to mood rings. (laughs) Yeah. No, but just, I I love that you said that because I've always felt that way. Like I remember even when this came out, I felt the same way. I was like, wow, they've grown up quite a bit. Yeah. But this might be to me, like this might be the perfect, pop punk track mm. i think lyrically melodically musically i think it, it exemplifies everything that i love about pop punk like the blink 182 newfound glory just like we're having fun but it's also so specific for the time like talking about daytime minutes yeah like that's wild like I've, i was thinking about <laughs> that when i was listening to this <laughs> Right, yeah. like even just having a conversation. Like phone. even that, I'm gonna have to like explain to my daughter one day. It's like, okay, so like talking used to like cost <laughs> money, and you had a certain amount of time, certain amount of minutes that were allocated. Like, yes, late stage capitalism is insane. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on to track number two, mood rings. just looking at the vinyl insert that we pulled out because it's like this easy one sheet to look at all the lyrics as opposed to the booklet and just by eyeballing it mood ring seems to have the longest lyrics and there's almost no other song that takes up that much space maybe overthinking but i just like do they need this many (laughs) lyrics to say this message that (laughs) isn't gonna age perfectly yeah yeah (laughs) i love this song and I get that it's satirical, but part of me feels like it's really cringy, right? It's bad. It's yeah, pretty bad. Exactly. Like, I listened to this with my wife, and she was like, I don't know about this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's definitely an I don't know about this, but it is like when they've played it live throughout the years, it's a huge crowd pleaser, especially amongst the girls. Wow. Like girls do tend to sing this song louder oh, than the guys do, I've noticed at shows. 
and it it's fun. I, and when you think about it, you're like, okay, we all do know the girls that he's talking about, but we also know the boys that he's talking about. Around. It's just, yeah, <laughs> exactly. We don't, you know, you don't have to specify. It's like, we all know the kids that I'm talking about could also have worked a right. lot yeah, better. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, yes. Yeah, that was my main thing with this song was like, couldn't it be about literally anyone, regardless of your identity? You know, I've met plenty of infuriatingly fickle men including myself, you know, I, I'll just own it. And even Matt, I feel like he could have written this song about himself just as easily, but he decided for some reason to put the word girls in it. Yes. You know, it just feels a little trite. It's like, oh no, I just like, it's like, oh no, I like, I just need colors to understand you. Yeah. And, There's oh, one wrong? part that really gets yes. me every <laughs> yeah. time that like makes me like bristle. And that's when he's like, and all I said was someone get that girl a mood ring? Like right. he doesn't know why that's offensive. Like that is the most egregious part. You need to get help. Yeah. Why are you mad at me? I said you need to get help. That's the equivalent yeah, of it's that. It's kind of a dig on him as a songwriter, if you think about it. Well, for me, it was that one line: "The when it's clear, she's completely emotionless, and that's all right. I must confess." I was like, "Well, <laughs> yeah, I'd love to get Matt on the pod." And just ask him, like, hey, man, how do you feel about this song now in 2022? You know, genuinely, I would love to know what he would say. I, they're still playing it. It was on the live album that came out. Yeah. And it's it's they when they did their greatest hits vinyl, you could get three shirts where, you know, it had a different name. Oh, wow. Like, because the, their greatest hits vinyl was voted on by the fans for the track list. So there were three shirts. There, there was I voted for High of Seventy Five. I voted for Be My Escape, and I voted for Mood Rings. So it's it's enough of a fan hit in that way that they considered <laughs> yeah, it was one yeah. of the three variants to sell the extra shirt with the vinyl, with the pre-orders. So they're still popular within I don't the think, fan community. Yeah, I think they would probably stop playing it if it wasn't for like the reaction to it. I mean, there are other songs that they like. Like Marilyn Manson and my girlfriend, they stopped playing that song and they just like refused any uh, request for it. They were just like, eh, you know, they, I remember they I feel like they that song holds it. up better than but this like, one. Some... That's prophetic. <laughs> right. <laughs> Wild. But for some reason, Mood Rings continued on. And uh, I think it's I think it's kind of thematically. This is not I don't think Two Lefts is a is any kind of rock opera. But this, these two songs back to back thematically feel like a piece to me because chapstick chap lips and things like chemistry has this very like high school feel in line with like sadie hawkins dance that you know these songs about like really you know hanging out in high school and having relationships with your friends and like hopeful girlfriends and boyfriends and stuff like that right like just yeah. the, the the entire like 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 uh Bored is like just saying chap lip chap lip chap lip chap stick and things like chemistry is like a vision board of like high school ridiculousness, right? And he right. even says in the what does he say like uh, uh, in the song that ties directly to mood rings, but I can't think of it now. Like relation, I just relationships. I'm the dumbest one, and I don't mean just with girls. I mean with everyone. Like that feels like that line then ties into this next song, mood rings, right? He's like. Yeah. I'm bad at relationships, and I don't mean just with girls. And in the next song, he focuses in on just how he's bad at relationships with girls. And he kind of, like, jokingly says, like, I wish there was some sort of thing that could fix this with the girl. Because he probably, like, I've done everything I can 
but he's wrong. He's like, I've done everything I can to understand (laughs) this lady, but I can't, but I've actually failed. I don't realize it. So she needs to fix something because it's obviously something wrong with her. And my other thought about this song has always been that, um, when you put like the sexism in pop punk, especially at this time, all together, like in both Christian and non-Christian bands, like this is so quaint and twee compared to that. Cause it's just like, Ah, sure. I wish I could understand her, but I can't. But then there's like other songs. It's like that's true. Like, I mean, like compared to like like brand new, right? Has, I, what like like Jude Law and That's Abroad exactly is, like, the song I was thinking. Of right, like yeah. like wishing yeah, I mean, she that's gets like an STD. Yeah, right. <laughs> and then, yeah. uh, but a similar song to this is "Dumpweed" by Blink One Eight Two. Yeah, because he yeah. says, "I want a girl that I can train," which for the longest time I thought was Ugh. satire. But there is a thing that was released on the tour from the time of Enema where he's like, oh, this song's about how I wish girls would just be, you know, easy to get along with like my dog. Like there's no satire in Dumpweed. (laughs) But they're both thematically the same because it's both like this 20 year old guy just out of high school thinking about how tough it is to like deal with girls and how he wishes there was some sort of like way in which they were easier to deal with for him. Like there was some sort of outward force that wouldn't force it to be easier to deal with them. But the Reliant K version of it is so much cuter than the Blink version. So long story short, cringe is a spectrum. Right. (laughs) Yes. Is that that what we're saying? Yeah. Well, I I, cute, but problematic. Right. Would, 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 I guess lands on the spectrum. Essentially. Yeah. So, all right. I think that's all I got. And this, well, Colin, got? this is another thing that you will have to explain to Willow when she's older. What a mood ring is. is. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true. Yep. That's two songs in a row. Uh, I'm sure there's like a... going through the whole <laughs> Yeah, right? She's not going to understand any of this. All right. <laughs> Moving on to track number three, Falling Out. I'll give my hot take really quick. I... I I admit that this might be an unpopular opinion, but I never felt this way before listening to this album. But now um, this track feels like it would almost be the moment in the record that sags, except every time it gets to the point where it might be boring, it does something new and interesting. So like as Mm -hmm. kind of like contrasting with other records that we've covered where there's a song that just kind of falls flat or the, the, the dynamic um, energy kind of drops. This is one of those songs that to me almost does, but it never quite lands in like sag land, I guess. Interesting. I feel the exact opposite. Really? Not the exact opposite. I feel like you could switch this in forward motion and have a better album. Oh. I feel like it's, I feel like momentum sags for me with this one. That's what I said. I do think that this song and forward motion are of a piece. Oh. But. <laughs> yeah, I always viewed them kind of together because oh they're right next to each other. They both start with F. Yeah, but yeah, I think true. forward motion to me makes more sense. Like as track three. As track three. Yeah. I could see that. Yeah. That might I'll actually say... make a lot more sense because then things pick up again with Pink Talks. Right, exactly. Now that I yeah. think about it, yeah. yeah. So if we did this an alternative one... track list, I think forward motion makes more sense. Uh, well, falling out. I did an alternative track. Ooh. Oh! Yeah, I do have one. <laughs> and I think this is one I'm like, if it got cut, I would be okay with it. Right. Like, I don't, I don't think anything's wrong with the song, right. <laughs> but 
I'm like, eh, you could maybe cut it and then just have a more slim album. Yes. Um, I got so a couple of those one, on like, here. I don't, I don't have any beefs with it, but I'm like, there's just not, it doesn't seem as strong as some of the other tracks to me. Yeah. Yeah. J- Jess? <laughs> I actually really like this song. Ooh, um, cool. It's a song. That's fine. Tell us, <laughs> I knew she did, so I was sitting That's here cool. waiting. <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah. it's one of my favorite Reliant K songs Ooh, of all time, wow. and I okay. only discovered it like when we started doing our podcast. Um, I had never really listened to it before. I also thought it kind of fell into that sort of lull in the album. Uh but yeah, in like my own journey and my own struggles on that journey, it's a song that I return to and like get chills because uh, I know that no matter how far I may fall out, God is still going to be there for me. So the message has mm. just always hit home since I really started listening to the to the song. It really resonates with you. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah that's super rad. No, I'm glad it does. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's... I like this song. Oh, go ahead. No, 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 no. Go ahead. Uh, I I agree with everything Jess said, and I also I mean yeah the placement of it after these two sort of like up tempo numbers and into this sort of mid tempo uh, I hate saying it this way but this it's not emo but this like emotional thing like building up this sort of mid tempo emotional dramatic pop rock thing in this song like maybe that placement isn't the best but I do think like the second half of the album has the more other mid-tempo mm-hmm. worshipy stuff yeah. the more penitent stuff so it's like they threw this one earlier in out of where the rest of those kind of songs are but this one does have this very dramatic like emo-esque and i really mean like earlier emo like midwest emo-esque yes. not not really emo midwest emo but at least it's like it sounds like reliant k sat down and said let's write some sort of like midwest emo right. style song and like this is so our ma- sunny day real estate song. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So I like that. <laughs> I, I, I like that aspect of it. And there is something about the way that it builds that like, like TJ was saying to me, it feels like it kind of, it like every time it could get monotonous, it does have a change up. And even mm. if they go back to certain parts, at least keeps building and rolling in a way that it was really interesting to me. And kind of, it does like, get me a little, a little teared up <laughs> just a little bit the way I like this song. Yeah, but I do. Yeah, that's why we do this podcast is to like get everybody's takes on it. I I love finding out that like the track that I think is like, you know, a stinker is like somebody else's really resonant. That's exactly what I was going to say. Like, that's my favorite part about this is like is having that difference of opinion. Um, I will say real quick about this. This was the first song on this album, and I noticed it a lot throughout the album. This was the first track that. Matt Thiessen's delivery really like jumped out to me. Mm. Um, he fits a lot of syllables in places where you think they shouldn't fit. But for some weird reason, it works. And it works. It's super <laughs> cool. And that's just, I'm just saying that because I'm going to probably bring that up a lot more throughout. Kind of like what you mentioned, Danny, of kind of viewing like both of these, Falling Out and Forward Motion as a piece. Maybe mm. I just like subconsciously, subconsciously is like, always like i have to pick one of these which i want i really like and i've always really liked forward motion so maybe that makes falling out pale in comparison a little bit more for me but Mm. yeah no i love forward motion do you think falling out would would connect with you more if it was in a different place on the album possibly Mm. it could i'm always fascinated by that i just gotta go ahead and say i still 
at 33 as a drummer can't figure out how Dave Douglas does that mm. hit, hit, hit to punk beat transition. I can't yeah. count it. Yeah. <laughs> I can't figure it out. I've tried so many times, and we don't deserve Dave Douglas. We don't deserve him. <laughs> he has a lot of really like, like complex parts that are just like that get pulled off really smoothly. Mm-hmm. Where I'm like, you hit the snare drum so many times there, but it doesn't feel like you were like, like it was hard. Right? He, it just he's perfect. Rolls it wasn't right like off. a Nate yeah. Young. Like I'm really flashy. Yeah. Showing you yeah. how many times I can hit the snare. It's just like effortless. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Understatedly flashy. It's yeah. perfect. I don't, I don't, yeah, he's, he's an angel. Sweet. Moving on to track number four, Forward Motion. Forward Motion. This had an awesome intro riff. This was like the most punk uh, thus far on the album, right? Less pop, more punk. Yep. And even the lyrics are very punk, like great banging lyrics. my head against the wall, like getting evicted. It's very plucky, like lyrically in That's a true. really fun way. Yeah. I like it. I feel like you get some very classic, like Matt Thiessen, wit, funny lyrics, especially with like, allow myself to experience the bittersweet to taste defeat, then brush my teeth. Well, like, that's just like the classic Reliant K that's really good. That I I I, I, I will bring up that it's not a real complaint, but this is maybe a <laughs> mini version of Grammar Jams now. Welcome to Kylan's Curmudgeon Corner. <laughs> so so we started this on the Amberlin episode because um, they have in a song uh, Stephen Christian says the word conversate. Which is a real word, and Kylan took but it should not be a real word. No one says word. that word. <laughs> so I started Grammar Jams Now, which is where I bring a very, very nitpicky uh, grammar problems with songs, Christian songs from the 90s and 2000s. For me, every time I hear this, it takes me out of it just a little bit on that chorus when he says, to experience the bittersweet, to taste defeat, then brush my teeth. Because in my brain, I hear the bittersweet taste of defeat. Oh, you think that, the that should be one line, right? I think it would have been better like that. Well, I don't know about... If Kylan Savage had written this song, guys, <laughs> it would have gone like... But am I just being an <laughs> asshole? Like, like does, that, does that not make sense to anybody else? It's fine if I am. If I'm alone in this, I, I will take it. This will be the hill that I die on. <laughs> We'll see. I never thought of it. But, but I mean, I see experience what you're the at. bittersweet taste of defeat. Like, makes I, more sense to me than bittersweet, it. comma he w- to taste defeat. It feels he weird. He wouldn't to me. even have to. He wouldn't even have to put the the, and he could just say to experience the bittersweet taste, taste of, of defeat. defeat. Right. right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. All right. So anybody, you know, Danny, if you've still got Matt Thiessen's email, if you can hit him up <laughs> and just reach out, be like, look, you need We're to re-record this song, re-release the album, yeah, all the for that one anniversary line. next year. Exactly. Yeah. There you go. Yep. The timing's perfect. It could oh, work. Mm-hmm. Thank you, everyone, for <laughs> tuning in to Grammar Jams Now. <laughs> Back to Church Jams Now <laughs> with Sadie Hawkins' pod. What do you guys think of Forward Motion? Does this? I do like uh that this one you start hearing Reliant K incorporating more piano 
which I mean, you maybe heard a, like right at the very end of anatomy, but yeah. like now you're actually hearing more, obviously in the, mm-hmm, it's like big centered piece. Like obviously Roland K is pretty synonymous with piano at that point. Yes. But I think at this point you're like, oh, okay, they're actually starting to play some piano now. Yeah. What I, which I really like what I, as like a foreshadow getting into future things. Absolutely. I, I think that's a, a huge strength for them as a band and for Matt as a writer that he, uh, focuses on on writing with piano and and that what I wrote is that piano line over a slam and punk song works way better than it ever should. Mm-hmm. It just works. It's so good, especially and I love how they keep the piano going for the outro. Oh, yeah. it, it just ends really well. Yeah. Do you have big any fan of that. Big fan. This song, I've always been like, oh, I get it. This song is like the tie-in to the album cover because they mentioned a car crash. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even catch that. Yeah. Which well. a lot of Reliant K songs mention <laughs> car crashes. <laughs> <Sure>. Really? <laughs> I think this might be the only one from this album. Yeah. Wow. I It would take a lot of digging to find it again, but I found one time like a a fan art where they just like did a little pictogram or something of every song that mentions cars and a lot of them were car crashes like (laughs) you know here i sit looking at the traffic light there's two or three on just the like self-titled album alone right well staples is the most obvious one because it's about a car crash but then there's lots of other songs yeah there's lots of other songs that just mention cars or car crashes yep that's real bruce springsteen situation yeah I've been ju- I've been just waiting for Josh to bring up Bruce Springsteen. It was only a matter of time. It was, it was inevitable. Yeah. <laughs> All right, moving on to track number five, "In Love with the '80s" (parentheses Pink Tux to the Prom). Is this why all the CDs are pink? That's maybe why they did it. My money's on Which that. I never thought of until listening to it this week. <laughs> yeah. I gotta say, my one qualm with this song musically is that the intro riff on this song is is roughly the same at, at first, at least as "Mood Rings, Oh Mood Rings, Oh Tell Me." See, I think that's great. That feels intentional to me, and it might be. And and so, if it is intentional, again, Arcade, get at us, anybody that that is a part of this that that was part of the songwriting. Tell me, was it an intentional move? Or, Don't expect me to. I, I won't remember exactly <laughs> what it is, but there's something like that on mm-hmm as well, and it's no. it's much clear. It's much more clearly intentional. So it could yeah. have been a conscious what it was. move on their part. Yeah, it seems like right. he always figures out some lyrical or melodic thing that ties albums together. Although, like, and on forget and not slow down. Right. Mm-hmm. It's even there. more yeah. on forget and not slow down. I feel yeah. like so I this might have been. One. The forget yeah, this down. might have been the proto version of this. He okay. might have been like, I like this. This will tie these Let's... two songs together. Okay. But it just, he built off of that idea for later albums in more meaningful ways well, as then opposed I'll... to just, yeah. Right. I'll just say tentatively then, if that's the case, then huge admiration. Right. I've changed my tune entirely. It's either really stupid or, <laughs> or really, really rad. Great. Exactly. <laughs> yes. It might not even be the case. It might just be. It was, an over, it was a yeah. terrible oversight or a genius decision. Precisely. what you're saying, Precise. TJ. Yes, that's okay. it. Okay. <laughs> that might describe how I feel about Reliant K in general. <laughs> it could go either way. It could. It could. But I choose to believe the latter. Yes. Me too. To that. Cool. Yeah, this used to be my favorite song. Mm. It's it wasn't on this listen through, um, but I think so. I got this album when I was 
13 or 14. And my parents are very young. They grew up in the early 80s, 70s and 80s. And for me, this was like, this felt like, because I didn't like a lot of their music, this felt like a way that I could connect with them. Yeah, kind of access I was like, that. Oh, Tears for Fears. Dad, you like Tears for Fears? It's like, oh, it's got that cool like synth line that you guys like to listen to. Like, you guys like New Wave? But this was the first song that the um, the harmonies that Reliant K is capable of really stood out to yeah, me. It comes front and center. Yeah. In a beautiful way. Yeah, that's all across this record for me. It's like... For me too, but this was like the the first time it like, especially for like a pop punk band, usually you just have like one guy who can kind of sing the melody line just a little bit higher, but they've got some killer harmonies on this song. Yeah. Well, and that's what I feel like has always been a strength of them and like maybe set them apart from like other contemporaries because pop punk is not hard to play and get into. But I feel like because Matt Thiessen is was like influenced so much by the Beach Boys and they take a lot of those Beach Boys harmonies and vocals into their songs and they just sprinkle them in here and there. Right. That's what I always felt like was they weren't just listening to like we aren't only just like influenced by MXPX, but like also like Beach Boys, like classic stuff Queen. that has obviously aged really well. Yeah. So that's always every time they do one of those in a song. I love that. This album also uses the Cooper font that the Beach Boys are known for. That this like classic looking, the same font that we use in our podcast logo is called the it's called a Cooper font, and uh, that's like the the Pet Sounds font. So it must be it's very. Really? I didn't even yeah. think about that. You just blew our mind. <laughs> and I used that font to make the the promo for right. this, and. I work in the design field and my wife is a designer and I did not even think about that. That everybody. Yeah. All of this, the hours that we have put into this and the hours it's that you have listened to this, it is all worth it. Even just for that. I'm going to remember that for the rest of my life. That is so freaking cool. Incredible. I mean, yeah. it, it reveals itself too when you think about it because of all the like, do 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 and mm-hmm. sha la la like they they lean into that kind of like you know um 60s 70s rock sound that that takes a lot of cues from doo-wop that takes cues from early like r&b and it's yeah i just love it and then you've got the 80s layer it's incredible it's so complex like it it this is to me this is like the height of like complex pop punk right there's like real intent and thought happening here with also a level of parody. I feel like I feel like a little bit of parody is kind of inherent in a lot of pop punk as 100%. well. 100%. Did anybody wear a pink tux to the prom by the way? Just got to ask. I sort I wore a pink tie to a fake prom. <laughs> All right, we we'll went take to a thing it. called the awesome '80s it's prom this, when we lived in New York. Yeah. Ooh, that's yeah. fun. <laughs> it's like a it's like a staged party at a prom it's like a national it's it's a national thing that you can like uh franchise for your club or your bar i went to one of those okay 
my I had a friend who wore pink pants to the prom. He didn't wear a full-blown pink tux, but he was going with my uh, best friend, and she and I were both really big Reliant K fans, so he wore pink pants. That is a good that. friend. <laughs> nice. That is a great friend. Respect. Awesome. All right. Well, I think we got enough about In Love with the 80s, pink tux to the prom. Let's move on to track number six, College Kids. Pretty. Uh, it is a. It is a very like. Uh, this is like the most punk thing to say in a Christian. Maybe not just a Christian album, but a, a, a any kind of pop punk album that's really meant as like safe. You know what I mean? To have a song that's like, hey, you don't actually have to go to college if your parents tell you to. Like oh, yeah. this is this is very specifically a song about being yourself, no matter what. Like you know, authority is pushing you to do and like you know there are plenty of songs like that by other like punk bands and usually it's like parents don't get you you know screw them forget them (laughs) but this is just like my parents want me to do this but it's not right for me so i'm gonna have to tell them the truth no this is this is a hundred percent i loved this song when i first listened to this record and then i forgot about it and I related to this one more, so much more today than ever. as as someone in their thirties who went to college because their parents told them they had to, and then was like, "Fuck this, peace out, I'm done." Yeah, like all, all this, the lyrics, all the references, <laughs> we're like, so good. They're too real. We're like, so it's good. Almost like painful to listen to the song. I know, but in a in a good it's a good kind of pain but my parents did not know the dean of dallas baptist i didn't catch the nepotism in there like the sort of like family ties benefiting the the college student cue until this listen through i'm gonna be honest that never like came up for me I i didn't put it together kylan this was also i think whenever i first got the cd i remember keen onto this song pretty early on being like oh that college kid song is like super fun and funny <laughs> it's a jam Which that was like that was all i was looking for from right yeah like yeah the Lion K back in the day right but yeah i remember this was like one of my early favorites man my only note for this though because i think i just felt it too personally i just wrote i want to learn that guitar riff yeah it was so good it's crazy catchy i also related to the uh the verse about um the girlfriend being at another school. That was my experience. I had a girlfriend at a different school. Did, and she, I was have, always, did she have three other boyfriends? Honestly, she semester? might have. I never found out, so maybe. But I was always worried about that. So I, I, I think I connected on that verse, and I was like, all right, we're like, hey, I'm in. I'm in on this college kids song. And this, sorry, I don't know how in, in depth you guys get with the Christian side of stuff. Like we do it when it makes sense. Go for it. But that. That line just reminds me of like how to, to like, you know, he's he's got a girlfriend and they're dating in college and then so much other stuff around this time with like purity culture and like, yes, very staunch views about dating and stuff. It's like Reliant K was never into that stuff. Right. So it, it always made sense to me like that this was a band that... Uh, when today I look online and I see people who are really pissed off at Reliant K for not being like, you know, right, you know, right. Not being enough. John Cooper. Um, right. 
I'm like, well, I have no idea who that is. So. <laughs> it's okay. He's he was the lead singer of Skillet, and he oh okay he, he yeah, went no, off the I deep know. end like this year. Right. I didn't know his name, but I've <laughs> yeah, seen, yeah. I've been following. You know who he is. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Even if you don't know, but him. like. Which is unfortunate because, like, right before we like took our break, like Skillet was one of the last albums oh. we covered, and so <laughs> hey, there's man. like, it's unfortunate that that's political at this point. Anyway, I didn't mean to right. derail you. I want to hear what you're saying. No, no, it's, it's, I totally get. It. Um, so yeah, just like there's these little things of like them just being like not so uh, what would be uh, like isolationist Christian and right. not so staunch right wing or not so purity minded like although there are so many reliant k songs about being penitent and uh you know uh feeling like you've fallen short of grace and everything there are these little things in here where it's like well this exact same crowd that would go to see reliant k would be the same ones reading i kissed dating goodbye at the time right and but those these things were like not they they were slightly in conflict with each other because reliant k didn't espouse those type of ideals yeah yeah and you can see it in here where he's like i got a girlfriend who's in another school and she's got a whole bunch of other boyfriends there's no mention of like you know uh like she's my she's i'm courting her or she's my fiance or anything like that so i yeah and i just especially think about it today when i think about when i see everyone who's like really mad about like semler being on this current tour and stuff and i'm like did you listen closely to Reliant K music? Because they've never been that like specifically like staunchly judgmental, judgmentally Christian, yeah, puritanical right. in their values. Yeah. 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 I didn't catch that when I was listening to this, like at the time, but man, looking back, like reading through these lyrics, I'm like, I, I should have. Mm-hmm. And I, and I love that. That's a great point, Danny. Like I love that they were kind of, sticking their toes over the line and right. saying this is where right. we stand on things right and right. for even like all the like religious christian stuff i feel like they have a lot of lyrics that are like that are very of the pop punk ethos that are like we just want to hang out and play music yeah like yeah we want to slack off a little bit like that kind of like late 90s like more like casual understanding. 2000s, like, yeah. It's like more like humanism. Yeah, kind of, exactly. Like. Jess, do you have any thoughts on college kids? Uh, yeah, definitely one of those songs that I, I listened to a lot. Like, I would drive around in my car during college and, like, scream these lyrics. Yes. <laughs> like, very much. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and I definitely related to, like, the, the like, college always was his dream and I would always say it's not for me more because mm. the college that I went to was my parents really wanted me to stay close so I ended up going to a college that wasn't necessarily my first pick oh. uh, because they didn't want me hey. to move across the country necessarily hey. we can't relate to so. that at all <laughs> yeah <laughs> but it's a good thing I did because I met Danny in college yeah. so there you go well it's okay I, I met these guys in college too so yeah. and then we got out. married so <laughs> this is where we all met our soulmates. <laughs> there you go. Blessing nice. in disguise. Sweet. All right. That's all we got for college kids. Let's move on to track number seven, trademark. I had just a couple things. This felt like a very quintessential pop punk song. Uh, it had an awesome intro. And I had a question. Is Matt Thiessen singing on the verses? Uh, as far good as question. I know, it didn't sound like him. 
I think it's him, but I really, I don't, I'm gonna, I don't I can't oh, confirm. yeah, yeah. Can we listen back to it? Can we listen? Because it didn't sound like him to me. I just gotta say, while we're figuring this out, trademark is. I don't know if it's my favorite song on this record, but it is up there. It is like top three for sure. That's wild. This I is love this. This song. is bottom three for me. Well, this it's okay that you're wrong that about not that. Make my alternate track list. It wouldn't make it <laughs> if I had to. If I had to cut it, yeah. Wow. This is just if I have to like cut just for the sake of being dramatic. You don't love but, that guitar yeah. on the intro. And if we know anything about Josh, he loves being dramatic. I'm all about being dramatic. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful Josh, our producer. He's a drama queen, right? Okay, that verse that is Matt Thiessen. I th- so I, I would j- I just listened to it closely, and I don't. We did this song. I don't think this came up when we did the episode, but I kind of hear that it's not Matt Thiessen when the chorus starts, right? Because mm. you can tell when he comes in. Up. Yeah, right. yeah, and it's possible because Dave Douglas's uh, voice yeah. has a very similar cadence yeah. to matt teeson's yeah. and this has come up a lot where there have been songs like particularly who i am hates who i've been because i never realized that it's dave douglas singing some of those oh i didn't know that well mm-hmm. yeah and we didn't realize it until we started watching live videos and we we're like wait are they just doing this for live and they're like no this is no they like go back and forth but their voices are very similar, similar. Yeah. and so it okay. can be really hard to differentiate so that's what i think i picked up on the the verses like into the pre-chorus there's it feels to me like a like a pretty subtle but distinct change Hmm. they might be kind of riding those uh levels a little bit they might be blending stuff together and making it extra confusing yeah like once i understood it was where where it's dave douglas i was able to from who i am here to i've been i was able to suss it out easier right but listening to it now i'm like it sounds like it's riding like it's really blending together it's not just one the whole time yeah i i i feel like matt has like a little bit more of like a it's not a nasal thing right. but he he has like like his mouth kind of opens a little bit more it's a little bit um gosh this is so hard to explain like i do uh, get what you're saying though like yeah. I don't know. The, the verses feel like a little more back of the throat, a little less nasal. Mm-hmm. There's something at the end of it, something mm-hmm. at the end of his mm-hmm. of his vocal range that you that is more specifically him. I just. So, lo- yeah. Yeah. I. Yeah. Well, there's another song later on the record that I'm like, I feel like that's Dave singing, but I never caught that for this song, Kylan. So if you're right, yeah. I'm just I, a genius. It's all right, guys. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I just love that stabby guitar line. Mm-hmm. I think that's why this song ranks so high for me is it's like really catchy for me personally. Yeah. And I like the idea of using trademark as a sort of a core like idea for a song. Um and that it's like self-effacing, like he's owning the fact that he It's my trademark move. Can suck sometimes mm-hmm. like to, you know, he right. turns his back and he and he knows he should improve like the fact that it's very self-aware, I think that's, that's another reason it kind of clicked with me. And this becomes a big theme of Reliant K overall, the the the, the admitting that he messes up. Mm-hmm. There's probably a couple of songs like that on the first two albums, but this 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 there's tons of songs about that theme on mm-hmm and Five Score, and it continues on for the rest of their uh, discography. Yeah. One of the lines that like 
I don't know if I should like it as much as I do, but I really like it, is I showed me what we'd missed since we slipped into inconsistency. It's like... That feels really, very reliant. That feels very It's like tropey and yes. ridiculous and over but, the top. Like, but like turned on its head it. a little bit. Like, yeah. Yeah. I really love it. So I think those are, those are some of the shining, uh, bright qualities of this song that helped me fall in love with it over the years. I'm glad you like it, TJ. Thanks, Josh. I'm glad you do. I appreciate no, it. Yeah, it's it's cool hearing like that. This this is one of the songs that resonates with you the most from this record. And it's okay that you want to cut it. You're wrong about no, that, fine. and that's no, that's all right. I like that. That's fine. I like that. I like. I just said ly- lyrically not my favorite. We have different opinions. Wow. All right, moving on to track number eight. Hoops, I did it again. What did you do? Okay. I also happen to remember <laughs> all of the lyrics to this song. Awesome. Well, except for the except, except for the talk about, about it in the first part of this episode. Yeah. yeah. Except for the <laughs> outro, and I asked, "Oh, what is that?" That was not my shining moment. Um, now, did you know he's refer that? Did you just know in the beginning he says we're we're gonna hit movies four? Did you look up the lyrics, or did you just kind of? Because I never knew that. I knew that those were the lyrics, but I never understood them. Can you shed light on that, Danny? Apparently, that is the name of a very popular theater in the Canton area. Yeah, that's like their favorite movie theater. Okay. And I don't know where we found that out recently because we haven't done that song yet. Part of me is holding out hope that Matt Hoops will want to be on that episode. (laughs) Right. (laughs) He wrote another, he sings another song on Bird and the B-Sides. And that song's about his ex-wife. So I was like, okay, I'm hedging my bets. Either he's going to come on the show to actually talk about the song he sang, or he's going to, or if he's not comfortable with that because of the situation, then he can appear on Hoops, I Did It Again. Yeah, the one with so, his name. Saying. Right. Right. Uh, so somewhere we found out that Movies 4 is the movie theater okay. in Canton. Right yeah. on. I had a little bit of a tangent because I started looking this up, and, and I want to defer to our... Resident Three RK experts. Resident, yes. Reliant <laughs> K experts. But can we talk about Dan Bakaitis a little bit? Yeah. Right. Um, so I found, uh, I didn't do a ton of research, uh, but I was trying to figure out who Dan Bakaitis is. And I found a lot of things that said, based on like personal conversations and interviews, it might be a real person uh, where they just changed the name because Dan Bikaitis sounds good. But I found on Reddit a post that someone asked the Dan Bikaitis theory. And I choose <laughs> in my heart to believe this theory because heart of hearts, because narratively I just enjoy it more. Um, do tell so I'm excited this was by user Ding Wame eight months ago Dan Bakaitis theory so just to refresh people's minds and if they are unaware Dan Bakaitis is someone Matt mentions in the bridge of Reliant K's song Hoops I Did It Again this is the line Dan Bakaitis said I'm shallow he said I've got no integrity but I don't know Dan Bakaitis and Dan Bakaitis he He don't don't know me. me Many people have tried to figure out the identity of Dan Bakaitis, but it seems either 
One, Reliant K won't tell. Or two, he's fictional. So then I got an idea from a line earlier in the song. Let's start a rumor just to find out where it ends. In the first verse, they mentioned starting a rumor. Could that rumor be Dan Bakaitis himself? We're going down Does the rabbit Dan Bakaitis just reference back to go. that line? Anyways, just a thought. I don't know if anyone else has thought about this before. Just wanted to share it and see what people thought. I hope that's right. Yeah, I love that. That's, that's my cannon. favorite theory thus far. That's meta. <laughs> He's a paper man that they made up. Yes, that's like so like in like that's such like a then, Christopher Nolan idea. Right, <laughs> like, and then everyone in Canton is like talking about Dan Bakaitis, and they're all like, "Did you hear what Dan Bakaitis did?" And then Matt and Matt are Matt? like, "We made him up." Right, and then like exist. in the movie, he like then they start getting stalked on the streets at night, and they're like, "It's Dan Bakaitis." He's after us. He's real. <laughs> they manifested him somehow. Yes. <laughs> but I love that. J- just the idea of of tying it back to the line at the beginning of the song. That's like the kind of like mera like meta narrative that I am all about. Yes, that's great. <laughs> I love it. Good find. I had one other theory. I've the the Two notes about Dan Bakaitis. One is that someone started a Dan Bakaitis Twitter account many, many years ago. Oh, I love that. Just to like, like say Reliant K stinks or whatever, and Reliant K played back with him because it was clearly actually a fan. Uh, so that's worth checking out. I don't think they've tweeted much recently. But um, the other thought that I always had about Dan Bakaitis is that there's a song on the Employee of the Month EP called For the Band that ended up getting slightly remixed and put on bird and the b-sides and there's a line in there about chris used to come to all the local shows and it's like about this like it's just this throwaway not throwaway but it's this portioned out section of the song where he's just singing about somebody who used to come to the local shows and he doesn't anymore and chris used to have purple hair green hair i don't remember what it is anyway i part of me always wondered is are chris and dan bakaitis the same, the same person? person oh mm. wow maybe so like did he go around telling everyone that reliant k has no integrity because they signed to go to <laughs> records which i don't know why that would be no integrity but like there's someone who used to go to the local shows and now they don't anymore and now they're going around telling everyone that reliant k has no integrity they're the only two characters I know of in the Reliant K discography that, like, in the songs in any way disparage the existence of <laughs> the band members themselves. TJ, this feels like right up your alley. Yeah. Like, like the the narrative of, like, multiple characters. Having some characters in yes. a song. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love it. I, I love that theory, Danny. I, I, I hope Chris and Dan Bakaitis are one and the same and that they either didn't exist until Reliant K made them exist. <laughs> they started the rumor. Or they existed and that's why Reliant K exists. Ooh. I was going to say this is the end of conspiracy jams now. <laughs> same that's initials, good. CJ. Yeah. Oh, perfect. That's her offshoot. That's the conspiracy. I, I want to talk about the musical part of what's happening during the Dan Bikaitis part because Ooh. I love how everything drops down and it's just the bass kind of digging on yes. like those like stopped those like cut <laughs> notes and then you got the Beach Boys ooze going on like yeah that part is just super good yeah I love that yep 
Nope. Great. And then, and then the end of the song, whenever it comes back, that's where I was like, yeah, Dave is getting it, but it feels so effortlessly. Yes. I was just going to say that. Like, I love the drumming on this where he, like he fills back into the, the main like beat and it, and it, like you said, it feels effortless and beautiful. And like my face would melt if I saw this live sometime. I don't think I've ever seen this one live, which makes me sad, but that's okay. I also Are really you like, Dan Bakaitis? Guys, <laughs> I've got an announcement. This is an, a Church Jams Now exclusive. I you Sorry, remember when I told you now you remember when exclusive. I told you that this record was what started the podcast? Yes. Well, here's why. You are <laughs> TJ stands for Dan Bakaitis. Oh wow. The J is silent in Bakaitis. And and the D is a T. Is okay. a T, yeah. No. I just gotta say though, I love that Matt decided to rhyme chestnut with the words best butt and then he finishes the <laughs> sentence in the next line and you're like where's this going Matt <laughs> and then he says we're not setting forest fires just out of boredom it's it's, so it's one of those half line rhymes mm-hmm. he decided just to cut the sentence in half I it, it took some real bravery on his yeah. part as a writer I just love it so good uh-huh. <laughs> alright that's all we got for hoops I did it again let's move on <laughs> To track number nine, Overthinking. You guys, I think we were overthinking. Hoops, I did it again. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, that's my fault. (laughs) Freaking Dambakitis over here. (laughs) I think you're shallow. I know. I only wrote a couple things. Uh, I felt like this could totally be a May song. Like I don't know if you guys listen to May at all. But, I've listened to them, but, but I couldn't tell you. Dude, the the drums and the guitar, this sounds like it could fit on Everglow. Like, 100%. So easily. That's cool, man. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good observation. I know. That's why I'm here. <laughs> this is one I don't think I really ever paid that much attention to until I heard it, the acoustic version, which is on the Apathetic EP, I think. Mm. Yeah, it and is. I think, and I think that made me key in on the song and pay more attention to it since it's kind of towards like the back half and when i was a kid you get bored with the second half of records but i'll speak as an adult who also gets bored with the back half of albums yeah so i really like this version but i've i've heard that a lot of people prefer the acoustic version i wonder what y'all think i prefer the may version (laughs) (laughs) that's in your head (laughs) Danny, Jess, what do y'all think? You, you you like the apathetic version or you like the the album version? The uh, I like the apathetic version, the acoustic version. I think that uh, Tyson's vocals sound a lot richer and more mature hmm. in that version. Mm. Cool. I think this is the song. If I had to cut one song, as ruthless as you guys were, <laughs> were <against>, like falling <laughs> out we're, we're and stuff, pretty ruthless in terms <laughs> of yeah. cutting. I feel like I'm just like the least about this song although i reference it all the time because it's an easy when we're overthinking we can reference the lyrics to this song um but it doesn't like catch me it's it's a little the lyrics are and i like abstract lyrics and i'm actually not the biggest lyrics guy but like what when the 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 point of the song seems pretty obvious the rest of it seems pretty abstract at different points like like guy girl cliche i'm like are you is this about a relationship or is this just about anxiety in general or what is is this it, it's the lyrics are like the most confusing dr seuss book ever. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, one might posit oh. that you are overthinking it. <laughs> oh, there you go. There, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, no, I, I 100% get that. This is one of those songs that I feel like I don't love, but I find it gets stuck in my head a lot. Yes, absolutely. Like, like this is one worm. of those that like I don't think about, and then like this past week after I listened to the record the first time, like three days later, I woke up and was just like doing stuff around the house, and I found myself singing, overthinking. I think that melody is simple and infectious. It's just very like easy to pop into your head. Yeah. It's accessible, which I think that's the brilliance of it. But also, yes, it could drop from the record track list and you wouldn't really miss all that much. But I agree. Lyrically, it's like, I don't know. It's a little kind of like drama. Like it's kind of preachy. It's like, well, you're not the girl for me. So poo poo. Yeah. Yeah. We couldn't figure out what that part meant. If it had to do with like that, if it's, you're not the girl for me or, or in what context, like we couldn't break the the narrative of these lyrics when we talked about it on the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. It does kind of, uh, waver between the like overly dramatic and overly abstract. Like you said, Danny, which fits in with the maid discography as well. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. That's a good point. <laughs> I think that's why I liked it. I like it better as a May song in my head. Anyway, let's move on to track number 10. I am understood. <laughs> you are, Kylan, I promise. Uh, this may be my least favorite song on the record. Wow. Oh, really? Yeah. Why is that? Well, lyrically, eh, kind of over it. And the swing time chorus throws me for a loop every single time. <gasps> so here's my thing. They do something similar. I like the musical change, but they do something similar on Jefferson Airplane. And I think it's more successful. This feels like a almost like a <laughs> like a first draft musically of Jefferson Airplane. <laughs> What is like that they phase? took that idea and they're like, oh, we could do this better for Jefferson Airplane. Yes, exactly. <laughs> okay. Sorry, I'm over here making faces at Kyle. You while are talks. making faces. What's <laughs> up? What's up with the faces? Because I realized I, when I was listening to the song the second time on the listen through for this record that I love the time change. And I think it works better here than it does on Jefferson Airplane. Whoa. Ooh. Yeah. But I like both. But I know. I love that you're wrong, but... I am a sucker for a time change. So I know you are. My opinion about that is the objectively correct one, but it's interesting to hear yours. Um, I I just think this song is like, it, it's like three songs baked into one. Exactly, and it's too many songs. That's into how one. I write songs: is like yeah. three well, songs baked into one. I know that. So I'm I'm showing my hand as that's what I value, but. I don't know. We well, we're obviously at a standstill. So, <laughs> Danny and Jess, we we need help. We need someone to cut through this bullshit. I don't think we did this song, and I don't yeah. think I noticed any time change. But we definitely. Un- I noticed the. St- I'm like the style the- changes kind yeah. of a few times throughout this, and I'm not a fan of that. It also sounds a lot like Suzanne by Weezer, and I can't not hear oh. it. So yeah, the end credits to Mallrats. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh my God! Yeah, yeah. 
Interesting. That's what I'm here for. I'm I'm here for those references. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I did not even good. catch that. That's really good. When what's that song's uh, release year? Is, does that predate I mean, this? Yeah, ninety five. Because it was yeah, on Mara the Mallrats was... soundtrack. Which yeah. Was oh right, 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 right. That was like Blue Album. Early, early. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. Ryan K is a Weezer fan. They are fans oh, of Weezer. Yeah, they're entirely yeah. Yeah. I covered them. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. One hundred percent. See, I was I was of the um the uh demographic of kiddos that like if I had brought a Weezer CD into my house, I would have probably been kicked out of the house. <laughs> so th- I never knew that this could be a reference to that song. And then by the time I was old enough to like make decisions for myself and listen to Weezer, I think I decided I wasn't going to listen to 90s Weezer because I just didn't have time for that in my life. That's the best Weezer. Maybe that was my mistake. But um, maybe I'm also overthinking this. But uh, I, I, I think uh, this song speaks to me because I think oftentimes I feel very misunderstood. And I love that Matt decided to sort of uh, wrestle with that idea and how even though maybe others might misunderstand him, you know, the idea of God or or, you know, universe or self or whatever it may, may be, you've always got kind of like some sort of um, entity that you can find like vulnerability with or intimacy with. You can be known on some level, uh, even if, you know, like, oh, mom, you don't really get me, man. Mm. Like you can still find those those places to be known and be understood. And I really like that this song is sort of a treatise to you know, being known and being understood. I, th- I think that's kind of what called out to me on this one. It was less about the, although I do, like I said, I like the time change. I like that it's got a lot of variety in the song, but I think it was more the lyrical themes in this one that really resonated with me. For sure. Well, I think this is the one that sounds like Dave is singing like that first verse, right? Oh, I think we did talk about that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Cause this is the one I noticed his voice being different that it wasn't Tyson on this one so but Kylan could be right about trademark as is well. that just on and the then, first verse I think it's just the first verse it like comes in at like 25 seconds because Matt intros the song and then whenever it picks up for that first like the first part where it changes and it's louder I think that's Dave singing but then later I don't think it is but maybe it is and then I do I kind of always like the changes because it's a lot going on a lot of development but the last minute of it feels very uh like a good a big callback to like anatomy, especially like yeah. failure to excommunicate kind of sound yes. like towards the end of the record of anatomy. So I always kind of liked that as like a tie in, like, okay, kind of see where they went. Also the complex, this complex song structure is something that not only stayed with the real K, but became something that they were like known Defined for. Defined by, like yeah. Deathbed. Yeah. And forget not slow down. So to have like songs that contain multiple songs is like very much a Relying K thing, although it just wasn't at this time when their songwriting might have seemed simpler to maybe this have a song. This was their first foray into that. Yeah. Like I don't even think I can think of another song from the first two albums that's that does these kind of these many changes. No, you're right. I think this was kind of like a turning point for them with that. And I think that's why I hooked into this song specifically is because I, I really like that about their writing, that it does kind of um, evolve and, and grow and change in one song. 
Like I, I love that stuff. But, you know, I don't have a kid and, and you know, I know I'm unemployed, so I got all kinds of time to just sit and listen <laughs> to weird songs. I got way too much time on my hands. That's my point. Let's move on to track number 11. <laughs> oh, no. I'm in Getting trouble, into y'all. you. I'm getting into you. So I have to say, one of my, um, what did you call that segment? What did you call that part of the last the first half of the podcast, like our predictions. Yes. Literally couldn't think of the word predictions. My, <laughs> my prediction was, <laughs> my prediction was that this, this album would be a little less pop punk. Yeah. I remember, remember. You, yeah, you talked about, they had a little more kind of like preachy stuff or just more stuff. worshipy. Right. But, but I think I was wrong. And I think I really, I think at some point in the last couple years, when I listened to this album from beginning to end, like after hoops i did it again you get into more mid-tempo stuff and then with getting into you and uh, a little bit of overthinking and i understood like things become more mid-tempo become more worshipy more like penitent overall yeah Uh, so i think that that just struck me in one listen at a time where i was like oh there's less rocking on this album that i remember but then i listened to it again i'm like no i was just like fixated on that back half of the album well see that's what's really funny because that was my takeaway from this past lesson was because i mostly remembered in love of the 80s chapstick and like a lot of the front half and then this back half happened and i was like i don't remember this at all but wait Danny said something about this. <laughs> Hold this is on. like some, this is like an audio uh, like magic eye of like yeah. depending on what you bring to it, you may like the dress may look blue or it may look white. You mm, know what I mean? Like exactly, this may seem more mid tempo and worshipy, or this may seem more heavy and and pop punk. Like depending on what you're expecting or not expecting, I guess. Yeah, for sure. Um, I wrote for this song this. Felt like a one-two punch of boring between I am understood <laughs> and getting into you. I th- I think they need to be, yeah, I don't like that they're back-to-back. Yes, exactly. They're great songs, mm. uh, but back-to-back, I'm just like, okay, this lulls me to sleep. So what's your alternative track list for, the, for this part? Um, Where do you put these? Well, don't put me on the spot. I don't know. Let's... Yeah. let's on the spot, uh, Let's talk about it after the album. Fair enough. I do like this song. Um, it feels very... <laughs> I wrote, uh, I get that we need a simple acoustic song at this point in the album. Sure. And I think it's great. It feels very 90s pop yes. or 2000s worship, yes. which took a lot from 90s pop. Completely. And then a couple spaces. Jumper! Because this felt like Jumper from Third Eye Blind. <gasps> The production, Whoa. those drums, yes. when those drums come in, that's very like, getting into you, wish, wish you would step back from that this ledge, ledge, my friend. friend. Yeah. yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. This is one that I appreciated that it was an easy acoustic song because I could learn it when I, in high school, yeah. could play it. <laughs> because I couldn't play many songs in high school on guitar. I this have a running like bet with myself over how many albums Josh calls a bop because they had songs that he could learn in high school. Oh. <laughs> I want in on that action. I'm, I'm going to tell you it's a short list because I could not learn many songs on guitar in high school. What did everyone else think? Jess, what did you think? Ah. Uh, 
this is a, this is a song that I usually skipped. I usually skipped like the whole back half of this album. To uh, be honest, a woman after my own down heart. And, yeah, <laughs> I don't like the slow parts. But up to Jefferson Airplane. Up to, well, I prefer the demo version of Jefferson oh, right. Airplane. To be well, honest, we got an elitist. <laughs> we got an elitist in the house. She likes the demo version. <laughs> well, only because I. I think I ended up hearing that one first because I always just skipped the back half of this hey, album. Oh, Save it for the Jefferson Airplane segment. <laughs> well, okay. Yeah. Actually, though, that brings me to a question. So I listened to this album twice over the past week. Um, I listened to the original 2003 mix and then the version that's on Spotify, which is the new mix. And I don't know if I'm going to lose points with everybody. I much prefer the new mix. Oh, man. Yeah, we go back and forth. It's really, it just depends. Well, TG and Um, I were talking about this. I'm with Kylan on this one. That there's, there's something about the original mix that feels... TJ, you said uh, like tinfoil. Tinfoil. Yeah. Like it, it, it feels a little thin. Mm-hmm. So a lot um, of the dynamic like differences in the different instrumentation get mixed, get lost. Yes. In the mix of the, and the so tinfoil. I, I, I hesitate to bring this up to our resident RK experts. Yes. Thank yeah. you. Well, we go song by song when it comes to whether or not we like the original mix or the gold mix for either of the two albums. Oh, yeah. yeah. And a lot of it comes back to me for like, you know, some of the some of like the bass tone and the guitar tone that I found that I really liked mm-hmm. in the original mixes, especially at the time cuz we didn't get into this at any point before earlier on the podcast, but like I cut my teeth with music from just regular stuff that was on MTV. Like my parents weren't super happy about it, but they didn't, we didn't grow up in like in a community where like, uh, like I, I, we didn't grow up in a community where it's like, uh, you go to church every week or whatever, or, or like even that the knowing that Christian music was a thing, that Christian rock music was a thing. Like we were just like go to church every Sunday and Wednesday and whatever. So there, I didn't have a youth group. There was not a lot of kids at the church that I went to. So there was no youth group or connecting to music that way. And then one day my mom was just worried about all this rock music I had. So <laughs> she's like, I heard that the, the Christian bookstore, they have bands that sound just like your bands. <laughs> and so this she didn't beautiful. like take, she, you know what it was? She didn't, they didn't take away most of my CD collection, but what they took away was because I bought one, uh, two things they took away was a nine inch nail CD. Completely understand. Devil mm-hmm. music. Completely completely understand like you taking that away from yes. a kid because that was also the most sexual cd i had like <laughs> even something like oh yeah for sure you know what i mean oh for sure like for it sure. was the most sexual thing like Absolutely. even nirvana and like their sex Which, politics it's, it wasn't in your yes. face and they let me keep my nirvana that's stuff. that's the funniest thing because like so i i grew up in a similar situation and and my wife grew up one side of her family was that the other side was her mom, which apparently she went around the house at three years old singing Head Like a Hole. <laughs> <laughs> and that's just wild to me. Yep. <laughs> Completely different so took, <laughs> Yeah. So they took away my Nine Inch Nails CD, which I totally understood in hindsight. But they also took away my Adam Sandler CD. Because my first, the first Adam Sandler CD was super, super dirty. Pretty understandable. I only wanted it for Lunch Lady Land and stuff, right. and all the sexual, all the, all the, all the R-rated, NC-17-rated sketches on there went over my head. I so didn't, you didn't get care. them. They hurt. Yeah. 
Yeah, I didn't get yeah. it. I was like, oh, they're talking about dongs or something. He's I get like, it. I just like the funny voice yeah. in the lunch lady land. <laughs> but like all the other comedy skits on that were really, really dirty. So I got they took that stuff away. So off the back of that, my mom was like, they didn't take away my other stuff. But they were like, we're taking you to the Christian bookstore. Buy whatever you want. We'll buy you whatever you want. So that's how I got into Christian music. So since I had already been like aware of like pop punk and skate punk and stuff, sort of the rawness of that's why I got into all this. <laughs> the rawness of the original mixes was appealing to me right. because it reminded oh. me of mid '90s pop punk before everything got super polished. Right. Post Blink One Eighty Two, because it was like Blink One Eighty Two working with Jerry Finn that really like made pop punk this like polished yes. thing that it yeah. became. Yeah. Well, I, we talked about that a little bit in terms of like the, the, the Christian pop punk with, um, Aaron Sprinkle. Yeah. Who right. like, that was like the later, like tooth and nail. There was a very polished, very like compressed, refined sound, pop sound yeah. that like infiltrated a lot of this, like pop punk in the like mid to late two thousands. But yeah, before that, it was like a lot right. more raw. But I feel like that's actually to rely on case credit. Like it's good that that was the direction things went because mm-hmm. that's the writing style. Like yeah. it's very slick. It's very, you know, it it the, you know, lots lots of the harmonies, like the three part harmonies and the different guitar parts and the really complex low end, like the bass and the drums. Like it mm-hmm. it needs that really polished production to, um to reveal all of the complexity that's happening in the songwriting. Right. Um, right. So I think that's why I, I tend yeah. to like the, the later mix. Cause yeah. it kind of yeah. helps put, put that to the, to the center of the listener. Um, but I, I, that's I so just, interesting to hear that that was like a, um, kind of a compelling thing for, for you, Danny, that the, the kind of yeah. scrappier mix was, was actually compelling for you and interesting. Right. I actually wonder if I, I don't think I'll ever find the time to do this, but if I went through the second and third album by Relying K and I made like my perfect set list of it, where I actually pick the gold version of this and then the original mix mm. of that and the gold version of this and mm. the, you know, original and then, and then put them in an order because like there are some songs on there, which I think benefit from extra polish, but then there's some other songs that I think kind of, you know, yeah, it, for- it, it kind of detracts from the, yeah, yeah. It's a good point because they they grew to mm-hmm, and they grew in their songwriting style to that point, right? And really uh, showing off those like Beach Boys and you know like actually recording in the Capitol Records studio for Forget Not Slow Down for that special thing they did on the DVD that came with that. So like they got there, they got there, but to like see their roots and for it to be a little raw around the edges. What did I say? It's Five a, score, not forget. What did I say? Forget. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Good catch, Jess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they both start with an F. That's She was like, she's sitting across the table from me going like five. And I've been looking at Joshua. I'm like, how do you know how long we've been talking right. about this song? I'm like completely not understanding. Right. So anyway, yeah. Jess so. is to Sadie Hawkins pod what Josh is to church games now. <laughs> and, and bless them both. Yes, we always need the people that keep the people like us on rails. God. Sometimes I correct and sometimes I just let it go. With with uh, like facts like that, I'm usually like, no, 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 no. 
here. And yeah. then, like, if he does not pick up on what I'm trying to silently tell him, I'm like, okay, edit point. <laughs> meant this. Okay, and we're back. Jess, we all have wives. We all get it. <laughs> yeah. We all we, we all understand <laughs> and salute you. Yeah. The, the place that you are in. Bow down before you. That's so Bow funny. down before the one you serve. Yes. <laughs> You're going to get what you deserve. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That's nice. so good. That that's my favorite moment. All right, moving on to track number eleven. Wait, no, we did track number eleven. Moving on to track number twelve. Kids on the street. Are you done? Um, no, we got like a little more to do today. Yeah. I wrote dot dot dot. I have no thoughts on this. Who are these yeah. kids? They're on the street. But do we know we'll who they hopefully are? Figure that. Out. Oh yes, yes, we do. Hold on. They 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 are credited in the liner notes. Oh yeah. Do you want yeah. to read it since you have it as oh, well? Oh, you got it. Yeah, okay. I don't have it pulled up. So, kids on the street are Adam Grime with two M's, Jake Grid- Girdway, G-R-I-D-G-E-Way, and Ryan Nutter. Which... Man, what if it had been Dan Bacchitis was one of them? <laughs> <laughs> like, we just read it all these years later. Well, you guys, you got to know, I showed up to the studio that day, but I didn't really want to talk to Matt because yes. I think he's shallow. Oh, yeah. So I left. T.J. Smith, <laughs> alias Dan Bacchitis, alias Dan Nutter. Yes. I was there. I just, I walked away because I was like, these these guys don't deserve my time. So I don't, I don't understand why this is at this point in the album. I've got a theory. Okay. I think it's because, uh, right, they're, um, Reliant K is kind of getting bigger. They, they're... They're 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 getting more established. They're they're going on tours. They're writing really complex three songs in one songs songs, and uh, they needed to really uh, connect with their fan base. So they made sure to take a second during their studio time to go outside and talk to the kids that were just hanging out outside the studio. <laughs> well, to really relate to their that's fan lovely. Base. That's great. But Isn't why it? is it on the album? Because they had to show it off. It wasn't just for those kids. It was for the other kids listening. They like needed to hear Matt Teeson talking you like a normal guy <laughs> about how he forgot to shave. I hated it. <laughs> Me too. I have no idea why I'm defending this. Yeah, Danny and Jess, uh, uh, th- there's something you should maybe understand <laughs> about our podcast. Usually, most of the albums we cover about... Three quarters of the way, or an hour and a half into recording, depending on which one happens first, which is right now, I get a little bit sassy, <laughs> <laughs> and these guys just typically deal with it. But at that point, I'm just like, no more conversation. This, I'm over it. I'm over it. Skip it. We're done. We're done. <laughs> Totally understood. And I think we kind of hit that point. I I did that the other day on our podcast. I went off on Sparks. I went really hard at at the band Sparks and then felt really bad about it afterwards. We watched that Edgar Wright documentary (laughs) and we weren't impressed Mm. with the movie or the band. I was like, no, I hate all of this. Dude, I get it. I get it. Yes, yes. And that's one of those bands that like (laughs) everyone that's cool in my life is like, you should listen to this band. They're fucking awesome. And then I listen. I'm like, eh, eh. I'm fine. Yeah. I'm like, fine. no, I could I'm make done. this up. I yes. do this all the time at home. No. <laughs> well, just to let you know, I think, Jess, you and I were kind of on the same wavelength around around this point. 
That's kids fair. on the street. Ah, I don't need them. I turn into like, <laughs> I, I turn into like a Get these an old but, Jewish aunt. But I'm just I, like, <laughs> yeah, we don't need it. We don't need it. We're done. What We're is done. This gosh. No, but listen, I I will say, if any of you kids on the street are listening, we would love to have you on CJN. To defend your honor. No, we wouldn't. No, no, no. <laughs> Don't we're listen to Kyle. Done. We're Don't listen. Josh, help me out here. Help me out. Would we love to have the kids on the street come on the pod? I know the backstory. Thank you. In excruciating detail. Yes. Moving on to that track day. number thirteen. Twenty-second 20 second clip. I have one. Did Danny, Danny, Danny actually have something? Yes. I have one thing. I have one thing to say on kids on the street. He actually had something of substance. <laughs> Well, two things is like I, you know, I we talked about in the first half of this podcast, but I used to bother. I used to be one of the kids on the street, constantly bothering Relying K at every show they would come to. So it was yes. interesting to hear this track on this CD, and I'm like, that could have been me. Why didn't they use me? Not really. I wouldn't expect them to use me. I wasn't. I ain't kidding. <laughs> but the other thing that I thought is like this is at least like as far as having like an interlude non-song track. This is much more graceful than uh, Breakfast at Timpanies, which is seriously like the stupidest joke uh, interlude track that Reliant K ever had. Like, it's just so bizarre that they decided to do the Breakfast at Timpanies thing on Anatomy of the Tongue in Cheek. And in here, at least it's just like throwing a little bit of just throwing in a little bit of street audio from a thing. And it's no big deal. Just kind of maybe they needed something to cut up the tone between the two songs here and they decided like we need something but let's not make something as dumb as breakfast at timpanies again they just wanted something nonsensical before they went into like a nonsensical sort of song there you go yeah mm-hmm. yeah that makes well, sense Good. i will say Good point. so so based on the albums that we've done i do like this more than mrs morgan oh my god from yeah. jesus freak easily oh, um yeah. It was kind of a similar thing, but they went old rather than young. (laughs) (laughs) And it just felt like an old lady complaining. And I just... You just don't want any of it. I don't need it. I don't need it. I don't need it. The Jewish aunt is back. We don't need it. You sound like a John Mulaney bit. I am a John Mulaney. My whole life is a John Mulaney bit. (laughs) There's another thing I always wondered if this was in reference to possibly was that are you from you know Reggie in the Full Effect? Oh yes, sure. Have you heard of them? Yeah. yeah. So those first two Reggie in the Full Effect albums have drunk guy at Get Up Kids show. Yes. Like they just had a camera outside a Get Up Kids show and they were talking to a drunk guy and then they just put audio of that in between tracks. So I'm like, is this like the clean version of Drunk Guy at Get Up <laughs> yeah, Kids show? Yeah, that's their version. Yes. Okay. That makes me like it a little more, but it still <laughs> just feels like I mean because. This album has 15 tracks. Yeah, and the album's almost an hour long with the hidden space, with the track, the space between the hidden tracks. Yeah. yeah. It's, almost, it's, it's 56 minutes. We didn't mention that, but this is a pretty long album. True. For pop punk. I just don't need it. Yeah. Okay. Okay, Miss Jewish Ant. All right. <laughs> love you guys. All right, let's move on. Track number 13 Gibberish. Paravillantinier? Paravillantinier? It's this seems like an easy song to write, but I feel like coming up with fake words is probably harder than you would think it would be. I think so. Yeah. Well, 
Here's what I have to say. (laughs) (laughs) Please. Is this Jewish ant or is this Kylan again? I've had two beers. Who knows? (laughs) So you know how I said I Am Understood was probably my least favorite song on the record? (laughs) I came back around when I heard this. I lied. This is my least favorite song on the record. What? How can you not like Yilla Bilize? It's very funny, (laughs) but it wears out its welcome entirely too quickly. They did put it this late on the album. Maybe they had an idea. Like when you when you pair this with mood rings, this song becomes a problem. Because it's like, oh girls, they're always talking gibberish. They're always going on about hair and makeup. Are girls the nonsense message here? Mm. Where do they mention girls? Just stop talking gibberish or just stop talking if I had one. I know what they're really talking yes. about. I'm just saying. <laughs> Wait, like, so just... If you, if you oh, think if about you it, if you paired this song oh. with Mood Rings, if you think about the fact that they're on the same album, you know, you're like, you know what? No. This song this song's a no. Mm-hmm. That's a great point. So you're saying you feel targeted. Yeah. <laughs> and it's weird because they put it right after kids on the street. So it's like, is this a slap in the face to fans? Like, you kids are always coming up talking to us Ooh. after the show stops talking jigger- gibberish and just stop talking. Boom. Shots fired. I Damn. get it. I get it. I'm right there with you. Maybe it's. Do you like the song more now, Kyle? No, I like it less. It's the worst. It's the worst. Cut it. Wait. Cut it. We don't need it. Wait. We don't need it. Wait. I've got a theory. What if Dan Bakaitis is actually. Matt's ex-girlfriend. And that's what this song is about. (laughs) That would have been present at the time, Danny. Or about to happen. Right. (laughs) I don't think they heard me anyway. What'd you say? (laughs) I said Katy Perry. Oh. Oh, Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Yeah. Katy is Dan Bacayas. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. Jessica reminded me they were still together. AKA. Ooh, okay. Wait, what? We're not together yet. Wait, you didn't know that? No, wait, wait. Hold hold on. (laughs) (laughs) Hold up, everybody. (laughs) Hold up. Hold up. We got to talk about this. What? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, well, don't talk to me like I'm an idiot. Like... (laughs) (laughs) We're not going to explain it. Okay. So... Take it away. Take it away. Take it away. So... You know, because Katy Perry was a Christian recording artist. Right. She was Katie Katie Hudson. Hudson. Yes. Right. And she and Matt Thiessen were dating around the time of this album. Guys, holy fuck. What are you talking about? (laughs) Are you serious? Okay. That's what the one I'm waiting for is written about Katy Perry. Oh, my God. I swear I'm not doing a bit right now. This is news to you? (laughs) This is... Actually, you're eight mind. years old when you found there's out. There's photos were. you can find of the, there's photos you can find of them together. Oh, yeah. There's like, a video know. of them playing, right. and Katy Perry dives into the audience. Oh yeah, Cornerstone it's 2003. During one of their yeah, songs, it's bad. This yeah. is yeah. actually blowing my mind. Yeah. When they were so you know when I used to bother Reliant K at every single show in the early 2000s. One time at Soulfest, which was the cornerstone of the New England area, yes. um, although it was a mix, they I liked Soulfest because it was a mix of C, it was a good fifty fifty CCM and alternative. Like it wasn't like they didn't shove a couple of alternative bands in the corner. They had a good fifty fifty mix, like because right. it was the only show in town for five states. So Katy Perry was there. Yeah, well, I, the thing is, I don't know if Katy per- if Katie Hudson performed that weekend. I'm not entirely sure, but she was just on tour with Reliant. Not well, she was with them on the tour, performing or not. I have no idea mm. because nobody knew who she was at the time. 
but one time I, I I'm there at Soul Fest and I go up to someone in the band and I'm like, nice to see you, blah blah blah. I'm like, oh, where's Tyson? I haven't seen him this weekend yet. And then whoever I was talking to, I think it was Brian or Dave Douglas. They go, you see that girl over there? And then I look and it's like this girl with like, like it's Katy Perry with, <laughs> with, with her original like sort of flat but full hair, like dark hair. He's like, you see that girl? Just keep an eye on her and Matt will be around her because he's constantly, he never leaves her side. <laughs> and it was Katy Perry. Yeah. And, she and then said, I went up and I talked to her. I was like, yeah. you're Matt's girlfriend. Hi. You're just some lady, and, what and that's you, all what, you'll ever be, just some lady, right? You'll never be famous. Right. And, and you, you somewhere lost have a video where you right. you asked her to say something for a local band. Oh, my god! So I used to take a camera to every show where it was allowed, and my friends had a ska band in the area called Good For Life, and they were a Christian ska band, and I was just collecting any – this is pre-YouTube or MySpace even – but I would just collect them, anyone saying like, yay, good for life. Because we had this website. I developed this website and I just thought it would be this fun idea. And they had to be like MPEGs, like full MPEGs. Right. I don't know why <laughs> I bothered doing this. But I just got this person, I just got who I thought was just Matt Thiessen's girlfriend to say something nice about the local New England Christian ska band. <laughs> and it was Katy Perry. Yeah, and I still haven't found that video, but I, oh, it's got to be around. I haven't done the deep search to find it because it's on old DV tapes and stuff. Well, guys, I just have to say it's been a pleasure. (laughs) I'm done with the podcast. I found out everything I need to know. But we haven't gone from end to end yet, (laughs) Kylan. That was actually crazy. And this is why I love doing this podcast. I had no idea. You actually learned something. Yeah. My theory is that Katy Perry liked Pig Latin a lot, and Matt was too stupid to pick up on it. And she like talked about him in front of him using Pig Latin. And he got mad and then wrote this song. Well, I do like about this song that they actually spell out all of the gibberish words in the lyric book. It's impressive. Mork Swax, Ippin Reby Yiffabar. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> so, all I have now to contribute to the rest of this conversation <laughs> is that my wife is probably going to be very upset with all of you because <laughs> I learned this from this conversation. And that's probably all I'm going to talk about for the next, like, <laughs> three weeks. Like I can attest to that. Because, okay, the new season of American Idol just started, and we're weirdly obsessed. <laughs> and we love Katy Perry. And I'm just, every time she comes on screen, I'm going to be like, She dated hey. Matt Thiessen. But she doesn't know who Matt Thiessen is, so I'm going to be like, hey, you know Reliant K? And you're like... <laughs> No, I'm like, okay, remember we listened to this album like this last week because I had to do a podcast. You're cooler than us, so you don't know them. I'm going to be like, hey, the lead singer of this band, Katy Perry dated him. What's that Katy Perry song that I'm convinced is about Tyson? 
Uh, the Ooh. one that got away. Oh! What? Oh, this makes me so happy. <laughs> oh, my God. Danny's just, like, full-blown, oh like, that song's about Katie. to happen. Oh, my he's, God. Like, if you're no. all of the thing, the co- he's like, it can't be she a coincidence. She says Look you're downtown like, in Nashville singing the blues. Yes. Like, that's oh what Tyson does when he's not with he's Reliant fanning K. himself. He's, like, on Guys. Music Row Oof. doing his folk music. Kylan is currently Oof. fanning himself <laughs> because he's just so overwhelmed with this Oh, my God. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Oh, my God. Jewish Ant returns. We got to move on to track number 14 from end to end <laughs> I'm sorry I know I'm doing a little bit of a bit but I'm also just I'm I'm very excited <laughs> by this information okay track 14 from end to end so oh my god Katy Perry <laughs> I'm, sorry, I'm sorry I'm gonna get past it I'm gonna get past it Track 14 from end to end. So I said this song sounds right at home on mm-hmm. Like this was the song from this album that I could really see the transition into mm-hmm. that sort of like a little bit more piano led, yeah, a little like more, more like art. like power pop kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I loved it. It's also, it has some really hard moment. It feels like, yeah, it feels like the most music, just like you said, how it could be on, mm-hmm, it feels like the most musically mature thing happening mm-hmm. on the album. Jessica never notices this song. I had a feeling <laughs> over here she didn't retain it from her listen through. <laughs> so I put it back on right before we got on. And she's like, I have not been retaining this song. <laughs> Anytime I've ever heard it, it just goes in one ear and out the other. Every time I hear it, I'm like, oh, I don't think I've ever heard this song before. Danny's like, yeah, yeah, you have. And I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. Dude, okay, so that that's kind of how I felt about it. Like, I felt like if you cut um, I Am Understood, Getting Into You, Kids on the Street, and Gibberish, <clears throat> and just kind of bumped this up, and put Jefferson Airplane right after it, it would be awesome. It would have a lot more impact. It'd be an EP. Well, that's like yeah, yeah. nine, ten songs. <laughs> the cut songs could be an EP. Oh, okay. But this would this would be a lot more powerful album wise. So you really like this one? I loved it. I think this yeah. song should be called "Hey Hey" because that's the part that I that I can always remember. <laughs> hey Hey, can you hear anything I say? Well, it's, it's the a song bad that just name. to me sounds the it sounds the least like this album overall to me. It yeah, does. I agree. That's, yes, that's a great point. I think that too. But here's why I love it. I felt like the melody of the chorus of this felt a lot more at home with like 2007, 2008 pop punk. So it <laughs> felt a little bit kind of like revolutionary. For me, ahead of like, like they just yes, got ahead exactly. of themselves a little with exactly. This song. Yeah. Like it felt more at home in like that, like Anne Berlin Paramore space that we've kind of been in for yeah, a while, right? Which is why I really enjoyed it because you think like this album came out two thousand three, and it felt a little bit ahead of its time. Yeah, and this goes back to what Danny was saying about the abstract lyricism. Like I don't really know what this song's about, to be honest. But it's one that I don't really care to know. Like, I'm kind of okay with the abstract nature of it. Um, and abstraction is not a thing that Reliant K or that Matt Thiessen as the lyricist did a lot. 
Right. Like his lyrics are usually pretty easy to suss out. So it's always interesting when we find something that's kind of abstract or like, you know, narratives folded within each other because that doesn't happen a ton. Mm-hmm. A lot of the, we talk about literal Tyson all the time because there are a couple of songs in that, in uh, the Reliant K oeuvre where it's just like, I am writing this song right now or I just woke up this morning and now I'm here in the studio right. or whatever. It feels very... Like, yeah existential kind of like right like stream of consciousness but for for all the abstract uh lyricism the the musicality is like really on point yeah and i think that's at the perfect place on the record it has to go right at the end right before jefferson airplane yeah absolutely yeah, i feel like yeah it was very intentional which is also a very non-reliant k song so it's kind of interesting that they put the two least reliant k sounding songs to close this album right before the band is about to switch eras. Right. Well, you know? it, it, like it feels like a, a great bridge into transition. Like yeah. the next sort of era of Reliant yeah. K. I actually think of them as a transitional band. Like that's kind of how I've always thought of them is like, they're always sort of in that liminal space. Like even I, I think about like tongue in cheek. I think about, um, things that they did on that album that sort of led into this that led into like the next era for them i think of them as always kind of moving like a dynamic uh very mobile band uh sonically so i really like jefferson airplane for that reason um i think it's got a dynamic motion to it all right i think that's all we've got for track 14 from end to end and we're gonna do the last track Track 15, Jefferson Aeroplane. My main takeaway from this song is I, and we have done this song. I literally, I think that this is Matt Thiessen sitting down and saying, I want to write a Page of the Lion song. Oh. That's always been my point of view on this. Wow. And like not as not as like emotionally stark and devastating <clears throat> as a page of the lion song because that's not within Matt Thiessen to write lyrically, but from the style of instrumentation to the form of the song itself, I think that and I uh, I think he just was like let me write a page of the lion song which and era, I have actually which era, had Pedro? what's that like oh, what album or yeah era, exactly because well, what was out then it would have been the early stuff it would have well, been like the first one already so. Yeah, are you talking about like hard to find a friend or? Yeah, I'm thinking like hard to find a friend okay. and and uh, the the other one, uh, the whole EP. Okay. Like I think that's like basically what he sat down and said. I want to write something like this, especially when you listen to the demo. I think the demo has. Yes. Okay. That that completely makes sense to me. Yeah. Maybe by this time though, he hasn't like fully. Uh, Maybe by this time, those early whole EP and hard to find a friend have been more influential because they've been around for a couple more years and more seeped into his thought process as far as if I want to if he wants to write a, a page of the line style song, right? As opposed to control, which wow, you know, I need yeah. to. And you said you do you get that more from like the demo version? You said yeah, definitely okay, from the. Demo I definitely version. need to listen to the demo version again. And yeah. with that in mind. Yeah, demo version's definitely better. <laughs> yeah. Mm. I do really like the uh, the octave melody line that's like in the intro and then like before they get into like the second verse. I feel like that's something 
that they hadn't really done. That's like I feel like, and I'm gonna attribute, I'm gonna assume that that's Matt Hoops doing. It could have been a Mark Lee Townsend thing, but at this point, like now, obviously Hoops is like a huge guitar like gearhead where he yes. has so many effects, and like you hear later Reliant K stuff has so much like cool guitar textures and tones and sounds because Hoops is like knows so much about that stuff. So, uh, but earlier Reliant K, like he's just playing power chords and whatnot but that one i feel like i i'm assuming it's hoops doing it and i'm like this is kind of like a foreshadowing of like what he's gonna get into yeah hoops he did it again (laughs) of what of what like the greatness that he's gonna discover in like his plane and like the parts that he'll construct on future reliant case absolutely i think yeah no i i I definitely wrote from end to end and jefferson airplane felt the most transitional like into the band that that would record mm-hmm, and then move on from there. Yeah, I don't really get the chorus to be honest. Um, I'd I'd love I like it. I'd lo- I yeah I don't mind it. It's um I, I well, enjoy I, it, but I, I don't really I, get it. I think like Matt Teeson seems to do this thing where, and I talked about this kind of early on where he fits a lot of syllables in places where they shouldn't. And he seems to understand like the rhythmic value of specific references. Cause like he talks about in, in love with the eighties, like my favorite band will always be tears for fears. And I think he recognizes that Jefferson aeroplane, like the syllables of that just, they work fit. Yeah, with a lot of things. But like, what is he using that as an analogy for, or like a metaphor for? Like, I don't really understand the whole like trapped and enclosed, but I won't complain. I'll open all the windows. I don't. To me, it's just get like it. it's a reference point in like a band that like that you really love listening to, but also just that like it it makes a lot of sense when you just like lay those syllables all out together. So it's like coziness and like familiarity. I think you so. Think he's trying to evoke. I don't know. I think like so. He wants to go eat cereal. And yeah. Out the window. Yeah. I mean that, that oh, would yeah. make sense. Like sweaters, cereal, like cozy stuff. Fall time. Maybe. I can't remember. We did this song and I don't remember what I tried to, uh, <laughs> make sense of the whole thing. Yeah. It, I thought, I think I've always thought something generally like, you know, Jefferson Airplane is probably music his parents liked. And, you know, he likes lots of music from before his time, even in high school he did. So there's something there maybe about nostalgia and listening to this music from before your time and being maybe wistful, maybe kind of being um, a sort of lulled by music in some way like being indoors i don't know i I really don't have an actual beat on it right but that's the idea yeah that he would be influenced by 60s music from before he was born and be referencing a band like jefferson airplane exactly that's that that's kind of what i think like it's something that's comfortable but then also just from a purely like technical standpoint Jefferson aeroplane. Oh yeah, the like, rhythm like, works. Right. Like there's enough Without syllables and rhythm that that just sounds really good. Yeah. 
yeah, it 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 kind of creates this feeling of coziness and talking about sweaters and cereal and mm-hmm. like familiarity. That makes sense. Yeah. Well, okay, so here's the question. Are we going to talk about the bonus track? I feel like we had to mention it. <laughs> How could we not? I just want you to stop talking about those silly shoes, Kylan. <laughs> They're just shoes, man. Pepperoni. <laughs> well, I'm done because so Katy Perry wasn't on it. So, <laughs> yeah. oh my God. I'm checked out. After the Katy Perry thing, guys, I'm sorry. I'm, <laughs> I'm out. I'm done. That just blew my mind. I got to go like. <laughs> on the confused necklace, I keep getting restless, eating 20 pounds of Paschetti for breakfast, still showing up on your 10 best dress list. I told you my name is MC Defenseless. Here's the question. Did you read that or did Take- you know that? <laughs> Josh has got it. Take it, Josh. <laughs> it's not in the book. feet from 18th Street. I know for a fact that you think I'm... Not Katy Perry. I don't have these words memorized. <laughs> I've listened to the song a couple of... I've listened to the song many times. Not much in the last couple of years. I'll be honest. <laughs> I, I don't know what we'll it is do about me, about but I know the lyrics to the secret tracks better than I know the lyrics to the, <laughs> the full-on album. A lot I definitely know I Skittles and Combos very well. Yeah, I listen to that yeah. a ton. Yes. And I don't... I, I did like I think doing a fake bad rap is like uh it's like a thing that everyone has it's to do. It's a pop punk rite of passage. passage. Yes. yes. Absolutely. Not even just a pop punk thing, but I think no, it's like sure. a like a bored teenager thing that you have to do eventually. Jessica has one. <gasps> I have one. I have to hear Jess's heard. rap. I have to hear <laughs> this. I need For this sure. in my life. No, I get it. Yeah, like, no, we we yeah. we all did. Yeah, because me and Joe had shake those fingers. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it's just a thing around this time. Like you had to do if you were a when white a person computer, yeah. with a computer, <laughs> yeah, and yeah, maybe yeah. Garage Band between two thousand one and two thousand six. You right. did. You did you an embarrassing, it. potentially problematic <laughs> right. rap dance pop song. Absolutely. Of course, like yeah. yes, the, the 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 bulletproof. What you thought was bulletproof at the time was this is supposed to be dumb and embarrassing. Yes, this is Ha-ha, parody. This is so fun. <laughs> right. This is such parody. But a part You're of like, you was like, I'm gonna start a legitimate <laughs> rap career based on this. <laughs> right. But all, and also, it was still extra embarrassing later. It's not like. You could show it to someone and be like, "Look how much fun we had." Oh yeah, like, no, Remember it's actually really yes, bad. It is so bad. Oh my god! But hey, we can rest, you know, easy knowing that it was all, it was all, it was all just a dream, oh dream, dream, dream. <laughs> nice, CJ. That was good. Apples was are it, green and carrots it, are orange. Was it because it slowed everything down? <laughs> okay, we have gone on far too long. <laughs> We all have jobs and mortgages and rent. And, and we've all got one big question. Pet children, and we all have things we need to do. <laughs> to answer. So, Danny and Jess, we have one very important question for you guys. So, we have gone through all of Two Lefts Don't Make a Right, but Three Do. Mm-hmm. And we all predicted at the beginning of this whether through a final listen through, whether this album would be a flop or a bop. So my question to you is, after listening to it, how does this album hold up? In 2022. Is it a flop or a bop? 
I'm afraid if it's a flop, then we have to cancel our podcast. <laughs> <or at> least... <laughs> Man, it's obvious. That's yeah. valid. I understand that. I understand. We kind of jumped the shark on this one. <laughs> <laughs> it's obviously a bop. Absolutely, yeah. right? A bop. Right? Okay, I'm showing my hand too. It was a bop. Wait, so is that the answer for both Danny and Jess? Yes. Yeah. All bop. right. Bop, bop from Danny. Bop from Jess. And from Kylan. Bop from and Kylan. From, well, so Bob already a, wins no matter what. Right. It's, it's true. I don't know how Katy Perry feels about it. <laughs> she might call it a flop. Josh, does right. it get a bop from you, man? Kylan, are you going to predict my answer as well, like you did in part A? Uh, Josh. Kylan speaks for me. Josh Wilson. <laughs> well, you have agency, beautiful Josh. You can speak for yourself. Josh. I just understand, like, talking to you on a regular basis and knowing you since college. I think I have an understanding of what albums will be flops or bops. And the fact that you and Danny tied Bold claim. during our Reliant K quiz <laughs> yeah. makes me believe that you think this album is a bop. It has to be. Exactly. So it yeah. comes down to TJ, the contrarian. Happily so. Ever the contrary. I think we all know that uh, Dan Bakaitis. <laughs> Wait a minute, he's changing his tune. <laughs> Dan Bakaitis, you heard it here first, folks. Thinks two lefts don't make a right, but three do. Is a certified bop, baby. <gasps> Holy cow, guys. Ooh. We did it. We healed the world. World peace. World peace. Problematic mood rings and white boy wrath aside. <laughs> yes. yes. Two lefts don't make They should have, have switched silly shoes with. They should have made mood rings the hidden track and oh. the comedy rap should have been the second there track. There you go. <laughs> yeah, actually, that would be a certified gold bop. Yes, that's that's <laughs> platinum, man. Wow. I love it. We well, did it, guys. We made this album good. We did it. <laughs> they didn't do it. Yes, we they did. did. You're right. They did. All right. We didn't do anything. <laughs> I'm going to send that to Matt Thiessen's email. Please. I got it from Danny. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Danny. <laughs> yeah. Appreciate you. Well, His 04 email. Yep. Danny and Jess, I just have to say, I know this has been a wild ride, but thank you guys so much for guesting on Church Jams Now. We couldn't be more grateful to you. We really couldn't. We, like I said, this is just how we are normally, and it's nice <laughs> to have other people sort of pierce our bubble and let us recognize the weirdness, but also revel in the same sort of nerdery. Um, so do you guys want to, like, if you guys could maybe just like tell people a little bit more about Sadie Hawkins pod, what you guys are up to, how yeah, they can follow away. you. Yes, yeah. please plug away. So uh, we have Instagram and Twitter, which is what we're most active on social media. And they're both at Sadie Hawkins pod. We have Sadie which is just like a simple landing page for various links for feeds for your RSS feeds and different apps you can listen to it on spotify apple podcast and everything like that and uh we also have a patreon which is patreon.com slash sadie hawkins pod where we read through the entire complex infrastructure book that's where we do most of the case for karaoke songs we did a couple of them for free but that's where we do most of them 
Uh, what else have we done? We reviewed the Twilight soundtrack. We reviewed, Whoa! <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> we reviewed uh, Ocean Eyes by Al City. Yes. And, yeah, we talked uh, about that. Oh, that's oh, we right. did a Jack's Mannequin album. Oh, that, well, we did. Well, we did three Jack's Mannequin songs that Matt Thiessen oh, gotcha, yeah. co-wrote. Oh my uh, yeah, gosh! So- okay, outside of the podcast, can we just talk about that? <laughs> like, <laughs> let's just hook up later because I, I'll just call you guys. I just want to talk about Jack's mannequin all the time. So I can send you the episode for free if you oh, like. Oh please, like let no. I'm gonna pay for it. I just want to hang out and listen to Jack's mannequin analysis all the time. Perfect. So yeah, so sadiehawkinspod.com and you can get the links to everything you need. Sweet, that is awesome. Well. Thank you guys so, 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 so yes, much. Thank you. Um, thank you. Thank you for having us. Yep. Oh my God. Anytime. I I promise next time we do a Reliant K album, we will ask you guys. <laughs> oh yeah. First, you guys back. get first dibs. Also, if there's anything else, we might cover Katie Hudson's first album. <laughs> uh, oh, we did that as well oh, on Patreon. Okay. Oh, yes. Well, people can you find that should. on Patreon. I mean, so, I, I, can, I can tell you right now if it's a flop or a flop. <laughs> I don't need you don't to. Don't give it away. Don't give it away. <laughs> that, that's our whole podcast. That's don't, the whole don't, thing. How much do, don't ruin it. How much do you see people talking about that album and saying, oh, you can see the roots of her music? All the time. <laughs> every day. Warning, yeah. You okay. You... May not completely understand the dynamic that I have with TJ and Josh. <laughs> they probably hear that more than most people that you've met. <laughs> it's true. Awesome. Well, hey, thank you guys so much. Um, we really appreciate it. Jammers, thanks for hanging out and enjoying. Two lefts don't make a right, but three do. With Sadie Hawkins. Our bye. review.